You are listening to a Strange and Beautiful Network Classics Collection episode. This episode was originally released under our parent podcast, Strange and Beautiful Book Club. Hey, welcome back, friends. Welcome back, Kate. I am glad to be here. You'll have to apologize for my um, uh, after flu voice. It's all right. Yeah. As long as a little wispy. If you have to cough, just pause, cough, and then pause. So you can cut it out. And cut it out. Like that? Like that. Great. (laughs) Let's do it. Is it hot in here or is it just me tuning in to hear these three chatting about fantasy novels of the spicy variety? Not your average book club if you know what I mean. Are you happy to see us? Or is that a dagger? It's feast, sheep, shatter. It's feast, sheep, shatter. All right, so. This is Book Talk with Kate, Winter Solstice Edition, mm-hmm. for uh, Sarah J. Mass's A Court of Frost and Starlight. Yes. Yes. So I'm excited to talk about this one. I have a lot to say. Yeah, I have a lot to say about this one, too. Um, and I want to start off by just saying I really like this book because... I, you know, we've spent three books with these characters. Yes. And I already like them a lot. I'm invested in them emotionally. And I like quiet time. I like how quiet it is. Yeah. I like that I, at this point with these characters, um, this is the first time we get where um, she starts, she's kind of transitioning us, right? Yeah. She's transitioning us to prepare for our next big story and to start to hear other people's voices. And I kind of like that we get these really small moments where we get to really learn more about our characters. Yeah, it was a little bit of a gift. Like it was a gift to us, to the fans, after the last book, because we didn't get a lot of just relaxed character development in the last book. It was a lot of go, 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 go. Right. And so this was very like, okay, guys, thanks for sticking with me. Mm -hmm. Here's some just... Nice stuff that happens. As long as you're not Nesta, everybody's happy and it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our girl. Oh. She is so you I you know, if you really dislike Nesta or you just know that Nesta is hurting. Yeah. I don't dislike her. I, I have always really liked her. I relate to her attitude and where she's at. And, you know, you we watched Farah go through her, um, you know, trauma and yeah. come out on the other side. And so watching, you know, we know Nesta, she messed up. Yeah. She got some stuff. And I love that she's a substance abuser. Yeah. And we have to, we straight on, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm sober. Seven, uh, six years in January. Sobriety is a superpower. So. Congratulations. Thank you. And so, um. Nesta's drinking her habits like she is like everything about her is so dead on with how people who are struggling with addiction and are struggling with grief and avoidance it's all so right on that I I love her and I really think that she does a great job setting us up for a court of silver flames which is my 
favorite book. I don't dislike Nesta. I dislike the way Nesta treats other people. I think because historically, I'm the I would be the Feyre and right. the Nesta Feyre, and I would be the Nesta. <laughs> so I'm like, Ugh. yeah, um, yeah, and I feel for the people that are trying so hard for her, and yeah. it to them at least it seems like she's not receptive. Yeah. And, and that's very real life. I also get frustrated that every time one of Sarah J. Mass's characters is going through something emotional, they get really thin. Yeah, because that's not how I handle my grief. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, quite the opposite, oh, but they have same so metabolism. You've lost so much weight. And if I was going through stress, it'd be like, oh, oh my God, you've put on so much weight. <laughs> I, get, I get why she doesn't, because as an author, how do you... How do you write that without your book getting canceled? Delicately. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where you're like, oh, well, they've just been binge eating fey pastry for the last (laughs) six months because Nesta's been eating her feelings. Like, I want Nesta to eat her feelings. She's been drinking her feelings. Yeah, she's been drinking it, which would also, for me, lead to not being thin. (laughs) But, right. Right. Same. Same. Yeah. Um, Also, uh, you know, we, I, I love that she never. There's no shame around women having as many partners as they want. Yeah. No shame around, you know, we get, we know that Nesta is not only not talking to any of the inner circle, she is actively out there basically partying every night, playing cards, banging dudes. Yep. Or whoever she wants, actually. She's probably got, you know, she's probably lots of experiences. Exactly. Um, and there's no shame about that, and I love that because everyone needs their slut era. Yeah, the only line in the whole book pertaining to that that I felt was a little was when Cassian is like, I don't even know who took her maidenhead. I know, and we're supposed to think that though. Yeah, we're uh, um, yeah, Cassian. virginity's not real, virginity is not real. It's yeah, a social construct. <laughs> you don't get it taken. You don't give it away. Are you it sure you don't want to cut this out? Because we're getting a little bit on this. <laughs> we're going to lose some. We have four listeners and we're oh, going to lose no. two of them. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's fine. Because I think if we lose the type of people that are like, oh, virginity. Um, My virginity is everything. Cool with that because that was such a thing that I struggled with. For oh, I know. So many years because mm-hmm. of the way I was raised, and felt so much shame and, and guilt felt around. so much shame and guilt around because it's a something that women are taught is part of who they are. You are a virgin, like you're an accountant or a teacher or whatever. It is something that you are. It is something that you possess, but it can be taken from you at any moment, or you can give it away willingly, and it's like. It doesn't exist. It is literally just a, it's an experiential physical encounter like anything else is. Like learning to ride a bike or learning to use roller skates or whatever. You're bad at it the first time. It's fine. I didn't lose my virginity to my roller roller skates. I didn't, nobody talks about like, oh, you're going to get emotionally attached to that bike if you ride it too often or whatever. It's, we put, we put as especially well. I get okay. So I understand the emotional attachment 
involved in intimate relations. I get that. And I understand. Yeah, well, and it's, some of it's hormonal. I mean, I mean our bodies are made to connect with people. Right. That and I, I recognize that it's not a one-to-one Some comparison. people think it's a soul exchange, an and energy exchange. You can, you can put sex on any pedestal you want to put sex on. That is fine. That is yours. You do that. That's part of who you are as a person. It's part of the experience you've chosen to to have as a person. It's part of who you are. But the way we attach shame to whether or not a woman has had sex before or not had sex before is something that we all need to move past. And the only way we're going to do away with the like slut or whatever, any other derogatory term that we assign to women who have a lot of sexual encounters is if we get rid of the idea that sex changes who you are. Yep. That the first time you have sex with whoever, the first person that you hand your V card to gets to keep it. And they are, they have made a permanent mark on who you are. Yeah. And it adds more value to them while retracting value from you. Because you have given them something that you once possessed. Right. And anyway, that, that thus endeth my rant about, but that's why I, I think, love it. It was a great soapbox. Thank you. Welcome. That's why I feel like virginity as a concept. I agree wholeheartedly. We need to just let it go. Yeah. It made sense. And I didn't have the guilt and shame that you did. I, I was pretty like, well, whatever. Let's, you know, I never really felt that pressure. Yeah. At all. I mean, I guess societally, kind of, but I, not really. I just was like, yeah, let's go for this. Yeah. That sounds fun. Uh, no, <laughs> not at all. Which I don't regret the fact that I didn't have a large number of partners before Matt. Sure. Because I'm content with the sexual relationship that I have right now. But sometimes I wish. I had had a slut era or I'd right. had a time where I went out and learned more about who I am physically with other people. Right. But I didn't because I married Matt at 20, 22, and I wasn't there. I was still suffering from the um, religious trauma that I experienced as a child. And so now that I've moved past it, I'm not in a position where I can do that again. Although... I'm sure if I discussed it with Matt. He'd be like, sure. He'd be like, well, I don't know, but okay. <laughs> Maybe when the kids are out of school. Yeah, but I can understand the idea of virginity. Or the house, I mean. <laughs> the house, yes. But I can understand the idea of virginity when you didn't have contraception. Sure, and and you it was to protect lines yeah. and family, like especially in like a feudal system where... Or any kind of system where the everything's passed along yeah. via children and you need your children to help on the farm and you know, you just want to make sure that there's one dad or right. uh, you know, even all of that. That that I understand. Sure. Which was the whole argument against contraception when it first came out was well, it's gonna women are gonna be just doing whoever they want if we if we let them have free contraception. Yeah, exactly. Which guys that's not a bad thing. I don't understand. Okay. You know, you know, Amy Wong. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She has that whole rant where it's like, why do men leave women for trophy wives, but women never leave their husbands for younger guys? And they're like, because I just spent five years training that motherfucker. 
exactly right. what I want. Right. Why am I leaving him for a two pump chump? Yep. <laughs> and it's like, uh, there is nothing wrong with everyone having a wealth of sexual experience because then you bring a huge amount of experience to any relationship. Right. Especially if you're willing to listen and learn new things with new partners. And sex is like good sex requires practice. Yes. And if you happen to find someone that you have great sexual chemistry with, I mean, there's still going to be moments where you have to learn right. what each other wants and likes. And, you know, do you know Esther Perel? Have you ever read any of her stuff? Is that the, um, I think so. Mating in Captivity. She's like a relationship and sex. Yes, I like think Like so. psychiatrist. I apologize if I, psychologist. Anyways, um, therapist. Yeah. Um, but she has a whole thing, a, a whole book about, in Mating in Captivity, about differential preferences in relationships and how much work it takes. And it's not just like, oh, well, she doesn't want to do it, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, she helps people, couples figure out how to come to these um, compromises and not let their relationships fall apart because right. of all of those things. And, and if we destigmatize sex as a whole, we yep. destigmatize telling our partner what we prefer. Right. And women don't have to perform anymore. Yeah. You don't have to pretend like, oh, this is the first time this has ever happened to me. Um, but I kind of like it like this. I don't know why I like it like that, but I yeah. do. And if you could just do it like that, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Instead I don't of know. Me, I'm not sure why. I'm not I, sure why. It's just weird, but I don't know. I feel like possibly <laughs> if you could just do this a little bit differently, yeah. we would, um, we'd be more successful. Every time I laugh, I'm going to have a a cough. So stop being so funny. I'm so sorry. It's fine. So I watched all the Fleabag because I was sitting on the couch one day and it was on. And I are you bringing that like, right now? That's a whole pod. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, that's fine. I'm but like so excited about it. One one point that I thought was really interesting. But you <laughs> hadn't watched it before, and now you've watched it. Yes. Okay. So she has that first boyfriend that she's with that she breaks up every time she wants him to clean the apartment. Yes. And so they break up. And one of the things he stipulates when they get back together is like no masturbation. And I thought that was really, so this, you probably don't want to know this. And this is probably because I took my daughter's Vyvanse on accident this morning. Oh, it's fine. But, this is great. Let's go. <laughs> so Matt this and is I, great. so this is one of those things where like, we've been together for a long time. So we've really had to work out. I mean, if we want continuously fulfilling sexual relationship for both of us. We have to have a lot of conversations about it. Right. And Matt has a far higher sex drive than I do. Uh, the golden retriever. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nice. Well, I always tell him it's really nice to know that whenever I feel interested, we're, we're good to go. Right. I don't ever have to be like talk him into it. <laughs> yeah. Literally. I just have to look at him and walk towards the bedroom <laughs> and he's like, Okay. <laughs> Go. <Take a> wagon. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. But one of the things that makes it possible for us to have our continuously fulfilling sexual relationship is like masturbation is a big part because he has a much higher sex drive. Right. I'm not always interested. Right. But I recognize that he needs far more like intimate relationships yeah. than I do. Yes. And I'm not always willing to physically provide that for him. But right. I'm perfectly willing to let him do that for himself or whatever, participate if he's doing it on his own. And so I thought it was really interesting that that was one of the things that he was like, we need to stop doing it 
because that way we'll touch each other more often. Yeah, and that was not real life. Yeah. That is not how it works. That guy was stretching. uh, and What? (laughs) Yeah, that guy was reaching for reasons why. But it did lead to some interesting conversations with Matt, which I thought was like, is that a thing? Like, are people like mad at each other for doing that? I I can't imagine it would be. No. Yeah. I I don't think in a healthy relationship, in a healthy relationship, you know, self-gratification is really important. Yeah. It really is. You cannot connect with someone else if you do not know how to connect with yourself. And in Fleabag, first of all, I love that this is what you were talking about. I didn't know if you were going to go with that very first scene. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, with the Obama. Yeah. The Obama laptop. Yes. That's yeah. No. Well, I was going to say the very first scene of Fleabag is where she comes over in the next morning and they do it in the butt. And oh, <laughs> she's yes. just like yes. surprised by it for the first I time. I know. And she's like, um, do I have a really big asshole? Yeah. <laughs> That's like the very, I know, I love it. Um, did you see season two then? You yes. saw Hot Priest and everything? Yes. I love Hot Priest. He plays in um, Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, he's Morty, Moriarty. Moriarty. Yeah. Yeah, his name is, dude, I normally know his name. That ending was so sad. A flea bag? Yeah. The oh, I know. Ending. But it's perfect. It's, it's perfect. It's how yeah. life is. Ugh. I need to watch it again. With the uh, statue. The statue was my favorite running gag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she pulls it out of her bag at the end and she's like, <laughs> she yeah. just walks off with it. Or that fox, the weird fox. It's yeah. just such a good, it's so well written and she's so funny. Do you, it doesn't make sense why it's my favorite show of all time. Yeah. It's just complete. It's good. And complex, com, compact and clean and there's a beginning and an end and you love it. Yeah. And it's perfect the way it is. Don't mess it up. Um, but circling back to oh, you mean to actually t- to the book we're supposed to be talking about? Oh, that it's one? fine. Yeah, it's fine. It was the maidenhead comment. It just took yeah, maidenhead in a place. Yeah, we ten minutes, ten yeah. minutes this way, which is great. I don't even know how to get back to the book. How do we get back to the book? We haven't really talked about the book particularly. Well, I mean, we haven't talked about it in specifics yet. It's pretty much just nothing happens. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what's fine. the best part. I was yeah. thinking we could even. The way we could even break it down is just by talking about characters and what what we kind of learn about them and where they're at. I mean, she's a very character-driven writer. Yep. So she creates compelling characters, and then she just puts them in scenes, and they do stuff. Yep. So it's really nice to see her just celebrate how good she is at creating whole, fleshed-out characters. Yeah. And I Yeah, it was great to watch the city kind of mourn and see how the city is dealing with... The attack from Highburn. Yeah. And Farrah going into the rainbow and this family donating their daughter's art shop yeah. to Farrah so that she can create this center for children to come in and learn to paint. And I love that there's this whole culture in this city. Because, you know, they say, you know, a town and a culture is thriving when the arts are thriving. Yes. Yeah. And when there's creativity and when people are creating and painting and um, making music. And so I think that's one of the things about Valaris that is so beautiful. And you know that Reese is doing such a great job as its figurehead leader, mm-hmm. man, um, <laughs> because the people are happy. They, yeah. have, they have their ability to paint and cook. And weave. And, and weave. And, yeah. Um, so Farah getting her little store, that, which I, what I thought Reese would, in my mind, when, so one of the things I was doing is 
as I was reading, I'm, I'm like, oh, well, what should such and such get such and such? And like, what would yeah. good gifts be? And I really like um, the presents. Uh, in the next book, we actually get another winter solstice and okay. we get more presents. Um, but so I thought Reese should have, I was like, he should just buy her this thing, but right. she ends up getting it. And he, and he, and he gets her a um, new mansion. A mansion. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, the, a river the house. I know everything's suffering, and there's like a slum that I don't know how to like fix the slum. And instead of dealing with that, I think I'll just um, buy another estate. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably. I mean, that's I, the message I need to send as the leader of the city right but now. But I think they do need an estate. I mean, their family's growing. Have we had the comment yet? I don't know if we've seen it yet. Where there's like one passing comment where someone says to Reese, like. Oh, you could lead all of Prithian. And anyways, I just think of it as we obviously know that the Night Court is probably the best campaign. Yeah. For a well-run unified unified Prithian. Prithian, right. right. And so we need a central abode for people to come visit and right. a White House or a yeah. whatever. Yeah. A river house. A river house. <laughs> a quaint river house. I do like how we we discuss at length how cramped they are in the townhouse. Right. And they're like, but and nobody likes the house of wind because yeah. it's too far away. And it, yeah, it has 10,000 steps to get up or you have to fly. And then, you know, there's wards on it. So when they fly up there, they have to fall in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. They're always like, and then you have to like drop. Yeah, they can winnow above it and then they have to, to fall. fall. Yeah. <laughs> And I like that Moore was bad at gift guy gift buying. But not bad. Just so excited. Yeah. Yeah. So like but, everybody loved her gifts, but didn't use her gifts. Right. They yeah. all kept them because it was sweet. She got them. Yeah. But it was like monogrammed towels and stuff. <laughs> I love monogrammed towels. I mean, I would just use them like regular towels or like fluffy pink sock slippers and Yeah. Just really eccentric, like not even eccentric, just the gifts that you don't ever really want, but someone gives you. Yeah. The one thing about the winter solstice celebration that ground ground my gears a little bit is they make the cake, which is great for Feyre's birthday because Feyre's birthday is Christmas, which kind of sucks. It's winter solstice and her birthday all at the same time. And so they make the cake, but the cake isn't just about her. It's about her sisters and her because they decorate each tier of the cake like she decorated the chest of drawers, which is if we were celebrating like, hey, we won the war, isn't it great? Or we had a celebration that was like siblings day. Sure. But we have to make the cake about everybody just to like twist that knife of like, look, this is Nesta's layer. Too bad Nesta's not here. And we all failed her. <laughs> Nobody failed Nesta. I know, but you know what I mean? Where it was yeah. like, this was Feyre's moment, and instead Elaine made it about all of them. Yeah. Because Elaine decorated the cake. Yeah. I didn't I didn't feel that when I was reading it, but I could see where I can see where you're coming from. And and just making a day that she already has to share with so many other things less about her. Less about her. Yeah. I could see that. I think Elaine was trying to be was trying Nostalgic. to say 
I, I recognized what you tried to do for us. Like I recognized what all of what you did for us. You didn't just provide for us. You really tried to give us a life. Um, we could have fucking helped you like a little bit. Like At just all? a tad. Like a, t- just a touch. A, just a touch. But hey, ah, it's fine. I remember that you painted our chest of drawers for us. See? I put it on the cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. I'm thinking about how how Farah responded to that. And she thought it was sweet. She thought it was sweet. Yeah. She saw it as a homage to like what she'd given them. Like yeah. a thank you for what she'd given them. And kind of a um I to to me I saw it more as a like taking her art and putting it on the cake. So in my mind it was less about the three of them as like one of the first ways she expressed herself via yeah. paint and like took that and put it on there. So it was more like, look, this is your artwork on this beautiful cake. Um, yeah, that's funny. What did you think about... Um, so we did get... if We were talking about more. You mentioned more. Yeah. And her bad gift giving. We got a little bit of more in this book. She owns her own estate. Yes. That no one knows about. Right. That she's had for 300 years. And that's kind of it, really. That's all we get. We only see her from when... And her perspective is third person, which I thought was really yeah, interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Her and another character is third person. It might be Cassian. Hmm. Maybe because... I don't know, but it was just strange because everybody else was first person. And then I think actually Nesta might have been third person limited too. Where we, only, we saw it third person, but only from their perspective. Explain what that means. So you have third person omniscient where you can head hop. You can see other people's thoughts all in the same chapter. And then you have third person limited where I... I am seeing everything from Kate's perspective, but I'm not Kate. So Kate walked in the door, Kate, whatever. But Kate doesn't know what everybody else is thinking. Right. It's just we're talking about Kate in the third person, but we don't see anybody else's perspective. We're limited to her perspective. Mm -hmm. So like more goes to the hewn city at her insistence. And then she chokes. She gets really upset. And so she keeps looking over at Feyre for kind of support. And we see Feyre's expression, and she interprets Feyre's expression, but we don't hear what Feyre is thinking, because mm. we're only seeing it from Moore's perspective. Yeah. Well, okay. So is it Feyre and then Rhysan that are in first person then? Yeah, and one other was in first person, but I can't remember now. But uh, like some of them are in third person. Limited. Nesta some of had a first person. Was hers first person? She, it might she, be just setting Nesta up our has narrators. one... Only one little moment, and yeah, it's right after chapter. her and Cassian. Yeah. And they, they share that chapter. I, because I kept trying to go back to it. I re listened to that part like three times this morning, just kind of going into Silver Flames, trying to get a glimpse at the way we, we just get a little bit more Cassian. And, and maybe this was like, she had a bunch of chapters written. Yeah. And she was just like, hey, let's put them together. And, create this Christmas story right, and release it before we put out this other big book. Or she could have been uncertain of their voice. Yeah, maybe. Because when you do first She's person... She's just kind of hashing it out. Everybody has to have like a unique voice because you have to be able to read it and as you're reading it, remember whose perspective you're seeing it from. Sure. If everybody has the same voice, it doesn't work. Sure. So she could have just not had a good voice for her third person characters yet. Yeah, maybe. And she's just hashing it out. Um, what did you think of... Uh, Nessian. 
Nessian. Uh, <laughs> I want to know Cass- what Cassian got her that he threw in the river. Oh, you'll find out. In, okay, good. In Silver Flames. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I thought, we're going to find that yeah, out. Yeah, you'll find out later yeah, on. Yeah, because we wouldn't have specifically talked about where he tossed it. Yeah, he's such a dumbass. Uh, people in the hotheads, these hot-headed fairies. He could have just thrown it outside her door. Throwing the book away into the cauldron and now throwing away this present that he tried to find for six months, months. Or and you find yeah. it's actually a really sweet gift and nesta just being a hurt little pit bull i know and i like how we more or less invented a slum for her to live in yeah because every other mention of valaris we never talk about it yeah and then all of a sudden she's living in like this slum mm-hmm. and very combative very standoffish very frustrating and alienating for someone who then follows up her snarky comment with, oh, and don't forget my rent is due. Yeah, I mean, she's in a bad place. Um, she's we- just angry and mad. And at, in all honesty, I've, I feel I understand those feelings a lot. Just being... I think she just is in the every one of the things that addicts do, people who are abusing substances, is every you're every you're a victim. Yeah, everything happened to you. You didn't have any control over anything. You're not even able to help, right? So she just thinks that she's constantly annoyed and pissed off at everything. Yeah, because it's happening, it's all happening to, her, to her. To her. Yeah, like I'm a f- high fay because of you, so you're gonna pay my bills. And you know what? Honestly, yeah. Resand, give me that money. I mean, I'm fine with Resand paying her bills. Yeah. Besides the fact that Feyre always basically paid her bill. Everyone's always paid Nesta's bills. So it's a... I think that's why she's a hard character for me to swallow. Because she's angry and combative until she needs something. Which is my least favorite, just like, coping skill. Which is, I'm pushing you away until I need you. And then I'm still going to push you away, but I'm going to hold my hand out while I do it. Right. And so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading from her perspective in the next book. Yeah. Because I understand I, Sarah J. Mass is generally so excellent at creating fleshed out characters. And Nesta has continuously just been this two-dimensional, angry. Everyone refers to her as a <laughs> Pippin's food. <laughs> is that what that was? Yeah. Everyone refers to her as like a, a queen, the cold queen. And I just don't, I don't know. I don't well, s- and, and t- you know, two-dimensional, we haven't seen her inside. Right. And we get a little bit of a glimpse at it today. And I think it today, <laughs> I mean, in the book, right? Yeah. And we get that tiny little hint of, I was being combative, but on the inside, I was like, oh my God, you you care? Oh my God, you followed me home? Yeah. So this whole time, she's been, ew, why are you here? Why well, Is he coming? And on the inside, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> it's Cassian. <laughs> he is the finest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. And oh my God, the things I do to that boy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so I, you do get so much more of a glimpse of what's going on in her head. Do they... um have they 
pointed out that she reads fantasy novels yet? Yes, much. She reads romanticies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She is the reader. Yeah. <laughs> she is the reader. Like she reads smut all the time. Like romance, romance, romance. Because that's what Elaine gets her. It's a yeah. book series. Books, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she loves it. She eats it up. I'm like, yeah, me too, girl. She's probably reading Ice Planet Barbarian over there. <laughs> she could be. <laughs> I think Elaine would, or Nesta would benefit from Ice Planet Barbarians. Yeah, she so would. So would Elaine, because, I mean, come on, Elaine. Yeah, and Elaine is really two-dimensional. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get a, I think the next book is an Elaine book. I feel for Lucian. Same. Because he's really trying to just give her space. I know. And she's like, mm. oh, this leads me to the one section in the book that I really felt took me out of it. The okay. whole rest of it, I was, I'm, I'm along for the ride. But when Feyre is talking to Lucian and she is just insulting him over and over and over again. And Lucian, all Lucian did was just like show up with presents. And she's just like, everything she says is like a sarcastic backhanded just asshole comment to Lucian, and he does not deserve it in this moment. Yeah, I think that they're shitty to Tamlin and Lucian. Yeah, I'm it's, done with her hating Tamlin at this point. I, you have everything. Yeah, he has nothing. Yeah, don't rub his face in it. And then he, she, all Lucian is doing is trying to continue to be a good friend to someone who saved him. Like he has seen Tamlin when Tamlin was better than he is right now. Yeah. And he knows that Tamlin can be better than he is right now. And he's willing to put in the work to try to lead Tamlin back. He's not he's not willing to give up on his friend, even right. though everyone else has. Yeah. And she lets him have it for it. It gives him so much shit. And then Elaine walks in and she's like, oh, he's here. Yep. And so Lucian, who she invited to be here and who has, she's generally pleasant to. She's just an asshole to him. Feyre is in this section. And it's totally out of character for her. It's the kind, you would never expect Feyre to say that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. you, you might expect her to make those points in a more diplomatic way or fire back if he says something. She might fire back a snarky comment, but she's just all offloading and he's not giving her anything to work with, and he she's just continuing to insult him. Yeah. And it was a painful section to read because that didn't feel like Vera, and she doesn't even acknowledge that she's being uh, Nesta in this situation right here where she's talking to Lucian. She's just like, huh, I wonder why he left. Or she goes in and tells Elaine he's not staying for tea, or he didn't stay for tea. Of course he didn't stay for tea. Who would stay and have tea with you when you're being just aggressively angry? For really no reason. He just, he, he's been at the spring court visiting Tamlin. He's not asking her to go to the spring court. He's not asking her to forgive him. He's not asking anything of her. And she's just like. Yeah, she's 21. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. But no, I, you're, you're, I would get your that. Your whole argument is completely valid. Yeah. And it, you're right. It's because she, it's out of character. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's a, it's another time where. The female, uh, female, our, our hero is a hot headed, like meanie. But she's not even, ang like she's not, there's no lead up to her being angry. Yeah. She's just out of nowhere. She's just Maybe out she's of having nowhere. a bad day. I don't know. Maybe she's in her fairy period because you know, they have really bad periods. Twice a year. Yeah. They yeah. get real sick. 
I love how there's no there's no cure for that. We have literal fucking magic, <laughs> and still no one has put any effort into figuring I mean, out how to not suffer. But that makes sense. It's hard for them to procreate. It's hard for them to reproduce. So, I mean, there might not. Be, it's just like there's no, you know, magic never can mess with love. Yeah. Magic, magic also cannot help a woman's <laughs> menstrual cycle. Yeah. Um. Oh, speaking of fairy menstrual cycles. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit off pod, but I don't think we brought it up on the pod, which is. In the very first book, we established that high fae don't come of age. They don't fully oh mature gosh, until they're yeah, like we did talk 75. About yeah, but who says that? Tamlin. Says they don't mature till 75. Well, they're not like physically mature till they're like 75. But what does physically mature mean? Well, I, but that's when we had the discussion about like, are you a baby for like 10 years? So I think, I think because Tarquin is um, 80. 80. So... So he's like 19. I think when they say physically mature, I think that means they stop aging, right? Well, then the, then they would age to 75. No, I mean, oh. I think they become like settled in. We got to think oh, about okay. Like, I think they settle in. Like a, fully achieve your powers. Fully uh, settle. Settle. At like, and I think in my mind, how I like to perceive them is at 28. Okay. I think they are somewhere in their late 20s. Right, About physically 75. looking. Gotcha. But I think that I don't think that they're babies for ten years. No, because we just my, can't. I just can't. Because my point here was that all of these women, more included, and several other women we've all talked to, have their like first menstrual cycle at like thirteen, at like a normal human age. Um. Well, I think more is like eighteen or nineteen, something like that. Because. Yeah. It's the same. She gets it, and then she goes off and right. has sex with Cassian. Right. And then she comes back. And so she's only like 20 or something. So if you're not fully mature until you're 75, or you're not settled in until you're 75, you literally get your period when you're like six, like emotionally and physically, like pre-pubic, <laughs> like yeah. six to I th- ten. I think they age similar to humans. They just settle into their powers and st- in full right. at 75, right? I, I mean, okay. I, I think this is something where it just wasn't fully thought through. No, probably not. Because if we make them like 45 when they have their first menstrual cycle and then something terrible happens to them, we don't get the same emotional impact as like a teenager right. having something dramatic happen to them mm-hmm. around their first menstrual cycle. And it's possible that the women mature faster. And Tamlin was only speaking about men. Mm-hmm. Because like men grow until they're like mid-20s or something. Where women, basically, we stop right about the time we have our first period. And it also brings up with the Illyrians, too, that they are, like, 18 or 19 when they start. Yeah. And that's when they cut the, clip their wings. Monsters. <sighs> yeah. Monsters. Look at that kitty. Hey, kitty. And then we get Moore's, don't we get Moore's memory when she's she meets Eris in the Hewn City? Because we find out that Eris is coming to the Hewn City. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Because honestly, that was one of those chapters I kept trying to go back and listen to, and I couldn't find it. That's because it just she just drops it in. Like we're yeah. doing other stuff, and then all of a sudden, Moore's like, "We're going to the Human City tonight," because they learned from Azriel that Eris has been visiting right here. Yeah, and so they go to the Human City, and Moore kind of just chokes, like she can't find anything to say. She. She just can't get over Eris. It's been 500 years. Yeah. But we're still carrying that trauma. Yeah. 
And so she remembers like, we don't specifically say what her family did before, but that they like spiked her to the ground with a note uh, yeah. for Eris. And that Eris was just said, leave her. Don't, don't, don't help her. her. As soon as we touch her, she's our problem. So just leave it. Which Eris had quite a bit of dialogue in the previous book about you have no idea what it's like to have the dad I have and what I've had to do to survive. So she's trying to paint him as a slightly sympathetic character. And we're only getting this scene from Moore's point of view, which is awful. I'm fully willing to hate Eris. I'm not saying I'm not. Yeah, I don't care for him much. Yeah. But it's one of those things where she's giving us an, an out. She's giving him an out. So I expect we're going to see more of Eris here soon. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah He's because, definitely a player in the next book. Yeah, because we're giving her a We're giving him a backdoor. We're giving him a way to well, I didn't do that because I knew you'd be our problem and then I'd have to take you home. And what would, what would have been waiting for you at home was worse. Right. So I did. I know it sounds awful, but I did the right thing right. by letting you stay there and bleed out on the ground. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, I hope, do we get more Tamlin in the next book? Because I'm... No, not, not, not enough. I mean, we've just, she sort of flushed him flushed him down the drain I, and he's I need traveling I, along the sewer pipe I need, for I, at some point I need a redemption arc for Tamlin yeah because I think that Tamlin's got a hero story somewhere yeah I think he is you know I like that there's a potential mate out there for him yeah and I'm tired I don't want to dislike Ham, T- Hamlin I like I said I read the first book and liked Tamlin and was like, oh, wow, we're switching love interest in the second book. So it's while, you know, upon rereading it, I'm very much on board with, yeah, that was a really abusive and toxic relationship. I want him to have a second chance. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, so one of the things that I asked Rachel to do was we were talking about potentially casting. <laughs> Um, if the, you know, and she has like a dream cast and my cast are all like up and coming young British actors. You were like realistic. And I, I, was, like, I was because I'm actually really excited about a show. Yeah. Um, but you, you did like, <laughs> we have millions and millions of dollar budget and I loved your <laughs> casting. So I thought we could kind of, I guess maybe talk about that. Um, and we'll just go character do you remember yours i know i love how you're like well this is fun happy we're talking about this book but i just spent two hours on canva making character posters and we need to get to it (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i just get i love canva it is my favorite thing i get super carried away with it so i asked rachel to do um cast everybody and she did i was a little bit extra with canva so i didn't get a chance to cast the monsters and Amarantha, Ianthe, the dad. Um, I love your casting. We kind of made some similar choices in a couple ways. Um, but so who did you choose for? Did you choose a Lucian? No, because it wasn't on your list. It wasn't? I'm no. sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, we, we, um, so I, I'll start though. Oh, no, what I think I did do a Lucian. Did you? Yeah. Hold on, wait, let me pull up yours. You sent me a uh, Rachel. While I was working on Canva, she sent me a, 
a drive link. Um. <laughs> you know who I think would be a good Lucian is um, the guy who played um, Lestat in the new interview with the vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, and he's already got, yes, they already got us this great. Sorry. <laughs> Work email. I'm a realtor, by the way. People don't know that. Um, because I think he would do very good for the, at first I'm super charming, but then in situations where I, I'm doing something that is objectively, like objectively difficult to swallow for the audience where I'm backing the boy and not backing Feyre, like where he sides with Tamlin. I think he would do a very good job of coming off as sincere, but borderline creepy. Yeah. Well, and I like your thinking around that, which is how I was also thinking of him and which is why I chose uh, Jamie Campbell Bauer. Have you ever seen him in anything? I have not. So he plays Vector, Vecna. He plays a bad guy in, oh, I probably just ruined that for you. (laughs) Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Stranger Things season four. I haven't. Um, Sorry. It's okay. Um, I'm probably never going to watch it. Okay, cool. Well, anyways, just heads up. Put a spoiler warning in there. Okay. Thanks, producer. Um, (laughs) So he plays, I've seen him play, uh, he was actually in um, Shadow Hunters. Oh, yeah. That Cassandra Clare story. Uh, He played Chase in one of the... That's what I recognize him from. Yes. So he does... Good guy well. He also does bad guy really, really well. So I love him. He also looks, right? So He looks. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> real handsome. Yeah. And he looks like a fox. He does. You know, right? he looks yeah. cunning. Second time we're using that word today. Cunning. He looks really, he has, I like his energy. He also, there's a softness to him. So I think that he would be, I I just would love to see, I think the story eventually will, will get more Lucian. Yeah. So I, you know, in a very first season, you don't get a lot, you'll get some of him. He'll Mm -hmm. be a, a player in the story for sure. But later on, you'll get even more of him. And I think this guy would be a great like he'll be a really strong character, like yeah. Really strong. Um, and you, who do? Oh yeah, you have the guy, the little stat guy. Yeah, he would be too. Yeah, and he's already got the long hair. Yeah, yeah, he'd be good for sure. Okay, so who'd you cast for Tamlin? Uh, let me see. So for Tamlin, I did. Or actually, oh Dan Stevens. Okay, I did Dan Stevens. Like uh, he plays Beast in the Beauty and the Beast live action. Oh yeah, yeah. The like piercing blue eyes right. and the blonde hair. Yep. And he plays in another movie where at the very beginning, he's a sympathetic character. I think it's called The Guest. Okay. But he comes, he's like a, a fellow who comes to visit this family. And he claims he is like the best friend of their son who died. Sure. Passed away in um, Iraq or Afghanistan or one of those. And so at the very beginning, he's like a really sweet, like I'm just trying to, you know, be with a family and like tell you some memories of your son or whatever. And then as time goes on, he gets creepier and creepier and creepier. And by the end you find out he's like a serial killer, but he does such a fucking amazing job of playing effectively the same character, but just giving us a increasingly creepy version of it. So I think we, he could be the like romantic blue eyed, handsome love interest. And then he could very easily transition into the, my love is literally killing you. Yeah. 
I hear that. Yeah. Um, have you, did you ever see the first Top Gun? No. Gosh, what is, <laughs> we're going to have to do a series of classic movies that Rachel's never seen. Yeah, that would, I mean. So this isn't even about the first Top Gun. This is about the second Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick. There, I watch a lot of movies. I go to the movie theater often. My one of my favorite movies, top two of 2022, is one of them is Top Gun Maverick. It is the best sequel I have ever seen. A lot of people don't like Tom Cruise. I think he got a, a unfair rap in a time where the media got to make up a lot of shit about people. Yeah. Um, but it is his best movie ever. It really is. I have never seen a movie wrap up so nostalgically. Um, he plays a real human. I mean, the man cries in the movie. Oh, good. Like a real man. Like a real man. Like a real man. Yeah. Like an, a, a, a 55, 60-year-old real, real man. Yeah. It is a beautiful movie. The cinematography is fantastic. The Jets. I don't even like Jets. I don't like spy movies. I've never seen a Bond film. A guy friend of mine is like, What? Yeah, I'm not into it. But this movie is just, and I'm going to say this because I don't feel like you're going to run out and watch Top Gun Maverick. It's a feel-good movie. You leave that movie going, dang, I wish it wasn't over. That was great. I've been I, thinking about watching it. It's really good. I do recommend watching the first one first. Yes, yeah. Um, The first one's great, too. It's a good there's a reason why it was so famous. There's a yeah. reason why the... Um, I mean, I know objectively it's a good movie, but I don't know. I just never... I've always had a hard time watching movies that are not sci-fi, fantasy, or horror related. I agree with that. And that's what one of my points. And I generally like them if I can get myself to sit down and watch them. Like, I never would have watched Fleabag. Just... I've seen it. I knew it existed. I've scrolled past it a million times. And then I thought, well, I'll just start the first episode. And usually if I can get myself in five minutes in, I'm fine. But it's the hurdle of, I don't know. I don't really feel like watching this right now that I have to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a, I agree with you. I, it's not, I'm, it's not my typical kind of movie either, but I loved the first Top Gun. I grew up watching it. It was one of those movies that if it was on TV, I stopped and watched it. Hmm. Um, I've never disliked Tom Cruise. I think Edge of Tomorrow is a great movie that I can watch over and over and over again. Do you remember that one? No. With Emily Blunt, where they have to relive the same day over and over again. It's like Groundhog's Day plus yeah. Battles plus Aliens plus Bad Bitch Emily Blunt. So we need to watch it is what you're it's saying. It's awesome. Yeah. It's great. It's super <laughs> sci-fi. You'll love it. Yeah. Um, I like Oblivion. He's in Oblivion. I don't mind Tom Cruise. I try not to be concerned about actors' personalities or personal lives unless they are actively like pedophiles or sexual predators. If or, you're that. <clears throat> supporters. It's fine. Yeah. If you're that. Yeah. Or you support that. Yeah. Then, oh, then we're no bueno. Yeah. But if you're just quirky or even yeah, he like kinda, mean. There there has yeah. been some, like, since we're in 2020, 2022 now and people are, like, calling out how problematic certain ways that actors were, like Brandon Fraser. Yeah. Who is everyone's favorite person, but he was, like, blacklisted. And his treatment when he was younger was, I mean, they're calling all that out now and saying... It, they just ruined his career. Yeah. And he and now he's getting this second chance. And did you get to see the whale? I haven't yet, but mm. I do love Brandon Fraser. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Everyone does. And so he's getting this like 
second chance. And Twitter loves him. Everybody is obsessed with Brendan Fraser. I miss Pauly Shore, too. Did he ever do anything bad? I don't think he did. I think he just had his moment. He's one of those 90s actors that... Yeah, well, where is he? Bring him back. They had their moment. Like Adam Sandler. He was really like... Adam Sandler's more than a moment. But because he redefined himself. Sure. Yeah. So he had his... I mean, he has his... like. I mean, he's not like Billy Madison anymore. Yeah. He has that era where all of his movies are... Happy Gilmore. ...basically the same. Right. He's the same sort of really difficult to watch now character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then he... He had like, okay, um, I see the end is coming. And I and need so to switch I it I need up. to do something different. So he did like Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love, which Sorry, I really love. the table. And he did um, Spanglish, mm-hmm. which he's really good in. Yeah. And then it was the same thing with, um, who's the guy who did Austin Powers? Mike Myers. Mike Myers. Mike Myers had his moment. And then he really failed to redefine himself. And he created one too many of those movies. He really didn't see that that moment had ended. And then he made, I think it's like a love guru and it's just unwatchable. <laughs> and he really unwatchable slash sounds watchable. <laughs> Unwatch- so unwatchable. Uh, you have to watch with one eye open. Oh yeah. It's one of those ones where a lot of cultural stuff is played for laughs and right. he's supposed to be, I don't know. It's, yeah, I hear you. I get yeah. it. Mike Myers stopped being funny. Yeah. Um, and he didn't realize it. Yeah. He We're, didn't know. He didn't have another note. Right. And Adam Sandler did. Yeah. And then the same with Polly Short. Polly Short had his And like, he only had shtick. one note. Yeah. And he really <laughs> failed to. I. That's funny. We're going to have to bring that back because I almost cast very, very differently for Morgan. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I want to finish talking about... Okay, no, sorry. sorry. Yes. No, no, no. That's fine. <laughs> Circling back to Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Best movie. Everybody watch it. I love it. Love it. Love it. I watched it last night. I got a new, uh, I won a 65 inch TV at my um, employee Christmas party. Yeah. Thank you. It was. I love it. You're like, for me? Yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I, I'm a hobbyist TV watcher. I watch a ton of TV. So having a nice TV feels really good. But first thing I had to watch Top Gun Maverick. There's. My pick for Tamlin is in that movie, and it's his name is Glenn Powell, and he plays the like jackass. He plays Hangman, and he's like a jackass, know it all, hot shot. You know, he's like your quint quintessential white cis white straight dude. You know, yeah, that we're making all the villains these days, which is hilarious and awesome. <laughs> um, and I. Th- I have seen him in other stuff, so I know he has more than just the jackass. But watching him last night and being like, oh, you are a good little punk bit. Like, you are you yeah. are a punk ass. Like You love to hate him. Yeah. Yeah. But I also want to see redemption, and I could see more depth to him. And I was like, if you put him in a beautiful, long-haired wig and a mask, he's a very attractive man. Yeah. You I know? see that. So that, he... In watching Top Gun Maverick, I chose Tamlin last night. <laughs> um, who did you choose for... Oh, I guess we'll talk about this now. Morgan. Uh, Morgan, I did Margot Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. That's like star power. I did. I, you said cast it, so I was like... No, you here, did it. Here and, we go. And I, am, I was more <laughs> like... You know, I, I went a different direction, which is completely fine. So when I initially... And Margot Robbie would be a beautiful Morgan. She's funny... 
She she can do humor really well. Morgan is so bright and bubbly. Yeah, and she does that really good line of um she is a feminine character who isn't like fluffy feminine. Yeah. Yeah. She does the really strong, really good feminine characters really well. Yep. Yeah. Which I feel like more would she's one of those women that she's extremely beautiful. Wears beautiful dresses, makeup, jewelry, but also loves to knock back a fifth of whiskey and kick the shit out of somebody. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I chose uh, Cynthia Adai Robinson, which she was recently in Rings of Power, which you did watch. I watched part of it. Um, she was the queen of... Oh, yeah. The queen of... Um, uh, Numenor. Numenor. Yes. Yeah. She was Numenor. She was good. She's beautiful. Yeah. And so I I I just chose her because I loved the way they styled her. In, in Rings of Power? Yeah. 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 I know. Well, she's tall and she's stunning. Yeah. And they describe Morgan as if Reese is the most beautiful man they've ever seen, then she's the most beautiful woman yeah. that Farah had ever seen. So I just thought she would be a really powerful I haven't seen her play a like bright and bubble, but she probably could. Yeah. You know, anybody could. But my first casting for this, you're going to think this is, was Rebel Wilson. And, and let me tell you why. But then I realized the tone would be really weird. Yeah. I really love that she has come on a journey and has changed her body and and really rediscovered herself. Yes. You know, she's recently come out and did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, she's dating a woman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good job. Which great for her. Yeah. Um but I was just thinking if Rebel Wilson could do dramatic roles this might work for her. I just don't think we've seen her in them. We haven't, but I also don't think she has them. And when we were talking about being one note, so I changed my mind. I changed my mind because I was like, I don't think we could get the dramatic role, the depth. That well, it's like Will Ferrell. Yeah, but you we, wouldn't think until he was in someone where you can hear his own narrator. Yeah. Stranger Than Fiction. Stranger Than Fiction. Until he was in Stranger Than Fiction. The one fiction. with the apple on his head. Remember that part? Yeah, never mind. He has an apple on his head in the, the front of the DVD. Oh. I don't think fine. it's actually in the movie, but there's like apples because yeah. they roll down the street or whatever. Um, until he was in Stranger Than Fiction, I would not have told you that I thought Will Ferrell was a good dramatic actor. Right. But that's one of my favorite roles that he's in, is Stranger Than Fiction. Right. No, I, I agree. And I think so often comedians are more capable of dramatic roles because I have a thing where... If you present as a plus 10, like zero is your neutrality. Yeah. If you're a 10, like Robin Williams was like a 15. Yeah. You got negative 15. You're a, it swings. You get the whole range. You get the whole range, which is yeah. why so often people that are the brightest, sunniest, fill the room with energy are also the people that we lose. Yeah. Um, because it, it bubble, it, and as a person with a large personality, I also recognize my personality is really large, but my dark side is just as much. Your needle swings a little wider. Yeah. Yeah. Your needle swings wider. Right. That's great. 
perfect way to say that. Um, but I'm, I haven't seen it from Rebel Wilson. But if she could, I would love her. Just because I'm proud of her. I want her to be in a role that was cast because she was stunning and beautiful. Yeah, yeah I can see that. And because people used to say I look like her and I'm really proud of her. It's <laughs> um, okay, who do you have for Nesta? Oh my God, your Nesta is so good. Zendaya. I know. Yes. It is so good. I was like, oh. She would be the best oh my God. Nesta. But she the- would... The Zendaya stare, the like, you are so fucking beneath me. Why are you talking to me right now? It's effortless. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's, that's some million dollar budget right there. (laughs) Um, so I, yeah. These books are like TikTok and Instagram famous. We can, we can afford that. What is? Both of the, the book, the. A Court of Thorns and Roses. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, so mine is Juno Temple. Do you know her? Um, Did you see Ted Lasso? No. Okay. She sounds familiar. Let me look So her. she's in Ted Lasso. And I've seen her oh. in a couple other things. Yes, I know her. She plays um, Keely in Ted Lasso. And she is, I just know she has the ability to be that sharp, sharp person. And I also was thinking about later on when we do get to Silver Flames, I think she can handle the um, adult nature of that book. So she's in a book called Nemo Nobody. Um, Trying to look at what year it came out with uh, Jared Leto. In a movie? Yeah. You said book. Oh, sorry. It's fine. That's because I'm also Googling at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's called Nemo. Oh, it came out in 2007. And in the, I think it's the extended cut, she plays his, like, adopted, I'm not, like, a sister-in-law. Like, they both had parents, and the parents got married, and so they're not biologically related. But they end up having um, lots and lots of intimate relations. Ah. And it's a wildly uncomfortable element of the storyline. And so every time I see her, that's what I remember her from. Ah, I see. Yeah. You should watch Ted Lasso because it is a feel-good show, and you won't think that anymore. Well, that would be good because every time I see her, I'm like, oh, she's from yeah. that movie. Yeah, <laughs> I think I should watch that now. It's good. It's yeah, a really good movie. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, so Zendaya wins for that, for sure. But I think she could be good. I can oh, Juno Temple would be great. She, It, it would just be wild. <laughs> you're just like, when you're coming onto these shows – you have to sign up to be in the background for yeah. a few seasons. So, I, I, you know, it just depends on how they do it. They might pull people forward. You know how they'll, like, they may take from to, the book and pull forward Yeah, they faster. may just give them more, just to round them out. Because right. so many characters stay background characters. They really mm-hmm. stay the two-dimensional, just, like, cardboard cutouts of the audience. Right. For really a long time, because we focus so much on Feyre. Yes. Yeah. Who did you choose for Elaine? For Elaine, I chose um, Kiersey Clemens. What is she in? She was in Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. Oh, wow. She was also in, uh, she was a voice in Scoob. She was in Lady and the Tramp. Oh, okay. Um, She's been in a couple. She hasn't been in anything really big. She's probably my most up and coming. But she's just like sweet pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's Imogen Poots. Do you know her? I do not. Imogen Poots. So she's been in a couple things, but she's just kind of, uh, you know, she's she looks younger, but she's 33. She's from England, classically trained, just very pretty, sweet, pretty. Yeah, because you got to have that 
sweet pretty. Yeah, she's the, sweet pretty looking. Yeah. And unique. And mm-hmm. then let's see, who did you choose for Amryn? For Amryn, I chose um, Bae Duna, and she's like a fairly famous Korean actress. She was in Sense8. She oh, was yeah. in Cloud Atlas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. been in a fair number of things, but I think she could pull off the like deadpan, like hard exterior, but soft and squishy on the inside. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I did Devin Aoki. Do you know her? I sent you a picture of her. Yeah. She looks so ethereal to me. Ethereal? Can you say it the way I said it? Ethereal. Ethereal? Ethereal. Ethereal. She does. She has a very... Like angel. Yeah. Like she's a secret angel. A striking look. Yeah, Yeah. like she looks like she could be a dragon or an angel. Yeah. And she's just very... I don't know. She that is in my mind when I was reading Amron without knowing it. This is kind of what I pictured. And I kind of I casted her based off how I pictured her in my mind. I really haven't I don't know her background enough to know whether I think she could pull off the like weight of the role. But um who did you choose for Cassian? Chris Hemsworth. I uh, yeah. Yeah. Cuz he could do the hunk and he's With a funny, heart of gold, yeah, but and, not necessarily the brightest bulb. <laughs> yeah. So I would go Cavill mm. for Cassian. See, we switched. I know. Yeah. I, I didn't pick him, but I in in before I went like up and coming cast versus <laughs> you got budget for days cast. Yeah. Um, Henry Cavill was casting because also Henry Cavill is a Taurus male. And he is super fucking hot. Dude, it does not get hotter. I'm Uh, sorry. uh, When I saw him in the (laughs) Superman trailer, like the first Man of Steel trailer, we were in the movie theater and I literally went, oh shit. Like I yelled and I grabbed Matt's leg and I was like, that man. Yeah. It it really (laughs) is like like that. It is like that with him. He is. It is Have a, you do you follow him on any socials? Uh, he's and he's like nerd god. He like, is a nerd god. Yes. Like a D&D. Yes. Like a he is a normal dude. He's a Taurus. He's really down to earth. Yeah. He's really strong. And he is Cassian, like in a way, but it is a known and understood facet of Matt and I's relationship. That Henry Cavill. I would guy. leave him for Henry Cavill. And that he would leave me. For Henry Cavill. Yeah. Okay. Great. That, I'm glad we're that all that on the same page. If he showed up, whichever one he pointed at, I, I'd be like, "It was nice." Do you, to have know you ever you. seen him with his dog? No. He has a dog. My ovaries would explode. He takes it just everywhere he goes. Push. Everywhere he goes, he's just <sighs> him and his dog. Him and his selfies with his dog. It's kind of like Chris Evans with his dog. He has one where he built a computer, and Matt must have watched this video of him building this computer. Oh my god! He sent it. He's to a me. nerd's nerd. It, he has like he plays like um, <laughs> Barry Manilow, where he's like wipe. He's like cleaning part of it. It's like oh yeah, and he's like cleaning. It. And Matt was yeah. like, have you, so have you do seen you, this video? <laughs> oh, like we should talk a little bit about. Did you hear what happened with DC and Superman? Yeah, they well they took him off of it. Yeah, yeah. So they okay. So he left The Witcher. Yeah. To be Superman again. He was in Black Adam as Superman, kind of like as a last credit, like a last scene thing. Yeah. Black Adam, worst movie ever. It's fine. I still love The Rock. It's fine. Yeah. But then when um, James Gunn came on to DC, he was like, nah, scrap that. So I 
don't know. That is a waste. I don't because Henry Cavill is Superman. He never got a good sequel. No, he didn't. He got Batman versus Superman, which was fucking bullshit. Bullshit. Snyderverse can suck it. Yeah, suck it. And so, I um, Man of Steel two needed. It was the best. It was the best. Like it was. You know what I liked? He was fabulous. Yeah. Do you know I liked Superman Returns? I didn't mind Superman Returns. You know why? Because it was like a love story. That's one of those movies where I watch it and I'm like, oh, that was really good. And then I go read reviews and everyone's like, oh, it sucks. That's because a bunch of dudes. And I was like, well, why did it suck? I don't understand. Oh, why because it he sucked. had it was a like emotionally powerful movie and story with a son. Yeah. I love that movie. I thought it was great. I've watched that several times. Fucking dudes ruining the world. It's fine. Um, okay. Cassian. Okay, you did. You Chris did Hemsworth. Chris. Hemsworth. Yeah. So I I see you. I he he's too much Thor to me. I had a bet I had somebody else in mind. Like last night when I was going to bed sleeping, like getting ready to go to bed. And it was a British guy, and I remember thinking, well, that'd be good, because then we get like the British look for both Asriel and Cassian. Yeah. But I can't for the life of me. I was like, oh, that's perfect. Because I kept thinking Chris Hemsworth. And I was like, I don't really want to because he's like. He's kind of old. He's Thor. Like I wanted him yeah. to be somebody different. And I kept, I've seen him too funny. He They play him too funny these days. And I need Cassian to be a little bit more broody and mm. darker. So I chose Noah Centineo. Have you seen him anything? He was in that show Kissing Booth or. One of those Netflix, like, young. But what I saw him in was Black Adam. Yeah. And now he's in, this actually happened to be a coincidence. He's in this new show called The Recruit on Netflix. Yeah. That I just started watching. And he is hot in, like, a very traditional sense. Mm -hmm. He's tall. He's big. He's handsome. He plays serious to funny, quippy, like, quippy, witty, but also serious and fighting really quickly. And there's also like a depth and a, like I've seen him do that like, um, that thing that him and Nesta have where it's unrequited. Yeah. I can, he plays the, he has good eye, like good, he does that well. So he's the whole package. He is. Yeah. You put him in a wig, a nice long wig, and some big old black wings. He's one of our bad boys. <laughs> he really is. And I think he is, he is. He's a little young, though. He's like 26. But, you know, these high fay, they stop aging anywhere yeah. between 26 and 30. It's fine. <laughs> as long as but, he can seem older, it's Yeah, fine. I think he yeah. could carry himself. As, mm. Wow. Yeah. Um. So that's who I would choose for that. Uh, how about for Asriel? I did Henry Cavill. That's I know. Because I, I would love to see him as a dark Yeah, he character. would do dark well. Because he's sort of there with the Witcher. Yeah. But he, I mean, he's sort of there. But I, I kind of want to see him with just like a, a dark, like dark hair, dark, all the things. Yeah, he can do dark hair. Yeah. Yeah. He has, I mean, he has dark hair, obviously. But like scruffy dark where he's just a little bit like you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to emo. say yeah emo <laughs> yeah, I think like, the word you're looking for see, is emo I want to see emo yeah Henry Cavill like yeah I, with like I, the if bang. he ever played a vampire I would just die I would just your whole your hearts would fall out <laughs> I would just be like I'm sorry honey but you're never gonna do it for me ever again because never I just have to pick I'd have to print out a picture of him from the movie has he not played a vampire no I guess no. not 
Nope. He was going to play in the remake of Highlander. They're and remaking Highlander? They were going to, and he was signed on to be on it. And they were supposed to start shooting this year. He was going to be Duncan? Did. Yeah. Connor. It's Connor. Connor. In the movie. Yeah. Who's Duncan? Duncan is in the television show. Oh. They're not the same character. Oh. Duncan and the Man, television well, show McLeod and the movie ah, McLeod are I see, two different I see. people. Okay, he yeah. was going to be Connor. Yeah. Instead of that oaf we got before. Right. Like, oh my oh God, my I God. was here for it. I yeah. told Matt, if they just put him in a kilt, gave him a sword, and just filmed God, him running so around hot. Scotland, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. We can just clip that together and I'll watch it. Yeah. It would be... In, yeah. Yeah. He has... I love that he gets really excited about, like... The nerd franchises. Yes. He like recognizes. He's here for us. I know. Because he's one of us. He is one of us. He's yeah. just the super fine version. Can you imagine him as the guy from Legend? Like the bad guy? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> you mean the. He wouldn't even need a bot. He just. Did you just mean the half red. goat Satan man that yeah. gave me my first clip boner before yeah. I knew my body could do that? Yeah. That yeah. one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so for Azrael, I did Taylor Zakar Perez. So this guy, I've not seen his work, but I did. I ran across him looking at actors, and this is exactly what Azrael looks like to me. Like exactly. Like yeah, I can see that beautiful features. He's got those like soulful eyes. Soulful eyes. Yeah. It, like Iranian men look like Il, Il, What are they called? Illyrian. Illyrian. Illyrian to me. So if you, as I was watching the World Cup, and I was watching the Iranian um, football team, I was like, oh my God, these guys, this is what Illyrian <laughs> soldiers look like. And now we if know why some, Kate watched the if, World if Cup. If you put, no, I watched the World Cup because of all of the men holding little kid hands. Now that's, yeah. And because it is, um, it's really fun. They're smoking hot and emotionally available. And they cry when they win, and it's beautiful. And they sing their national anthems with, like, pride, like, genuine feeling. And most men in other parts of the world have feelings, and they're emotionally... Yeah. Like, dude, when Argentina won, and those men immediately started bawling their eyes out, I was just like, oh my oh, God, this is I the know. hottest thing I've ever seen. I don't know seen. if you listen to the Train to Busan episodes, but in the alternative episode- Because I want to watch it first. Well, in the alternative episode, Matt and I went off a little bit about um, Korean dramas and or Korean media. And one yeah. of the reasons we love it is that the men will cry. Like they'll ugly cry. Yeah. And Matt loves that. And I love that because so often the portrayal of men, especially in Western media, is that they have to be this like- stoic i hate strong. that and if they're not then they're not strong. to me they are arrested they yeah. have an arrested development i was but watching a show the other day and something somebody said something about their emotions where they're like i have uh, oh she said i have underdeveloped emotions i don't cry i have underdeveloped emotions <laughs> and i was like yeah that's not yeah. normal or that scene in fleabag where the sister's like oh yeah i totally i just take all of my tension and anger and frustration and just bottle it all up and shove it down and then i don't ever have to think about it again yeah, yeah. that's because that's normal yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so for, super normal all right so we're, we're down to the big ones. Oh, well, actually, let's pause for a second before we do Resand and Farah and do um, your bad guys, because you got to bad actually guys. do your bad guys. And I yes. thought about this a little bit on the way over. Okay, so who do you have for Amarantha? I did um, Jenna Ortega. Ah, she's, obs I'm obsessed with her right now. I think yeah. Wednesday is one of the best shows I've, ever, I've seen this year. At least. I think she could do the, but she's like cutesy enough. Like she's, but dark, but a little cutesy. So she's like 
pretty, but she could also be that it's slightly more disturbing because she's just so youthful looking. Right. Where she, you don't need a, you would need someone who is disturbing because of what they're doing, not because of like the, like, you know what I'm saying? Where you don't Mm -hmm. want someone who is overtly disturbing. You want someone who in in context, she could be sweet and then say something like, well, I hope you die, Feyre. And you're like, yeah, yes. Like just a, um, uh, juxtaposition yeah. yeah so i see that as a redheaded dakota fanning mm. she's the one that's in twilight right yes yes yeah. Yeah. so she's i the, yeah. the little twin yeah so i kind of she kind of does that villain type well yeah so i could see her being in that but jenna ortega she's amazing i would hate to kill her off yeah but, but also, also good pick. I think she could make you love to hate her. That's yeah, she what, would make the yeah. villain better than the villain was written. Yeah. Yeah. And then who'd you have for Ianthe? Saoirse Ronan. Oh, Saoirse. She's I love so Saoirse. wonderful. She plays in a vampire movie. It's called Byzantium. Byzantium. I'll check it out. It's really good. Uh, I could see her. I almost chose her as like a pharaoh. I could see her as pharaoh. Yeah. Um, she's a little bit quirky. She, I, I don't feel like Ferris is as quirky as she is, but it's whatever. She could figure it out. She's a great actress. Yeah. Um, and then who did you, oh, you did daddy, Papa, Papa <laughs> Archeron. I love this job, cho- this choice. Uh, Idris Elba. Yeah. Yeah. Just like whittling his sticks, then peacing I'll, out. I'll put Idris Elba in anything. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So, I mean. I'm, I'm I'm there for that. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, who else? The Bone Carver. Yeah. Oh, this is such a good choice. I did Stanley Tucci. I know, I know. he appears as different people, but Stanley Tucci's a great. Choice. I also put Doug Jones as him because oh, I know who Doug Jones is. <laughs> when you, I was, like, I was like, Doug Jones is in everything. <laughs> I was like, he could be, he could be every character, every character, and everything. Um, but he could do all of the different shapes. Yeah, he sure the could. voice of Stanley Tucci. I mean, Doug Jones is put in every movie that you need a creature in, and because a, he's fucking amazing at it. I know. Yeah. I um follow him on Instagram. I yeah. find him fascinating. My sister's like claim to fame every time we talk about Doug Jones is one time she commented on his Twitter and he responded. And she's like, I interacted with Doug Jones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's Jones so responded. good. Um, what's your favorite Doug Jones character? Well, I really liked Shape of Water. Have you ever seen Shape yeah, of, of Water? Yeah, he plays the uh-huh. aqua guy. And then I liked the hand. I like, was going to say, iconic hands from Pan's Don't Labyrinth. Do it. <laughs> I was going to say the hand guy. But he also terrifies me. Yeah. I think it's one of the, for me personally, one of the scariest visuals I've ever seen on TV. Because, you know, I, we watched that movie recently, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, you've talked about it a couple times. Because I said, I, I've never seen it. I was like, I think we need to watch it because I've, I think I, I watched it, but I must have quit watching it because when, once I've seen a movie, it's, it's in the vault. Like I'm going to remember the movie. Me too. Yeah. So, and I didn't have, I only remembered the scene where the guy like gets his face beaten in with the beer bottle. And it's very, it's, it's that was one of the, super graphic. graphic. That was one of the first times I had ever seen anything like that in, on. Yes. Like I remember the moment watching it going, oh wow, I've never seen yeah. anything like that. I was like, oh, it was so hard to watch. You know what? And we were watching it and this is the, the real point of my story was, um, we, I had seen the whole movie, but I had like blocked it out. Because we'd get to a part, and I was like, oh, I remember this. Did I watch 
This, I had watched the whole movie, but it was so disturbing that I discarded everything. But this one scene, which was probably my brain going, we didn't like this movie, Rachel. Please don't ever watch it again. So I went to watch it. And yes, he is terrifying. That scene where she's in there with the um the food. The food. Nope. And then he grabs one of it's her little sounds, fairy friends. The and sounds and bites its, its head, head off. off. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, I remember watching that movie and loving uh, like literally everything Guillermo del Toro has ever done since it. I'm like, oh it's god, a, he's a master. It's a great movie. Because I can't watch it. Like, that's how good of a movie it is. Yeah. It's because it is so terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. That I'm just like, I can't. I can't. And, I mean, I love the ending. I, I don't care if it's a metaphor or whatever. No. I was just about to say, I hate no. the ending. I need it to be fantasy. I need that to be like, I, I, what really In happened. my mind, I just was like, yep, she got to go to the fairy world where her dad and her mom were alive and she's a queen and a princess forever. Yep. And that is how it ended. Yep. Oh, spoiler alert, guys, for Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, you God, better put some. dropping you, them all you, over the place. You're going to have to do some work <laughs> on that uh, that intro. Mm, yeah. Spoiler alert, if you've never, if you've seen anything ever, yeah, it's on the table. We will. Um, and I, he also plays in one of my favorite episodes of Buffy. Yeah. Hush. Yeah. De- He's one of the gentlemen. Yeah. So you are you a Buffy Buffy person? I've watched Buffy. Okay. So you know that episode is the episode that got like Emmy nominated. Yeah. And that the and I'm just I just remember this story about this, but I was never a really big Buffy person. But the the head writer was pissed off about people saying, you know, there was people who were saying how good Buffy was, and he they were like, well, it's always such and such. He was like, okay, well, I'm gonna write an episode where no one says anything, and then that episode got nominated for an Emmy because it's fucking fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. really really good. Yeah, that one in the musical episode, where, yeah, like ground fucking breaking. Yeah, like that had never been done before, right? Ever. Yeah, and they are both brilliant. I had the um, musical soundtrack, like the once more with feeling. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm not. I'm not super Buffy. I've yeah. watched. Yeah. Oh, through. I have a friend that is like. I've promised her I'd watch Buffy. There's just so much. It's a lot. It's so much Buffy. Yeah. How am I supposed to watch Babylon Five and all this Buffy? It's now like I got my 65 inch TV though. I'm good to go. You just put half on one side, half on the other side, and then just watch them both at the same time. Absorb. Right. Yeah. I exactly. might try and do Buffy. I, I think it's the. Isn't it the third season where it gets really good? I mean, they're all pretty good. I, 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 was I, I don't know. I just, it, I've watched it through once. Let's put it that yeah. way. And I, I think it helped if you watched it when it was airing because you didn't feel like yet. Now when you have to binge watch, it feels immense. It really does. Immense. But if you yeah. just sectioned it off for yourself, you're like, yeah. oh, I'm going to watch it every Monday night like I would have when it was airing. You can do that. And my, one of my favorite two podcasters, um, Ash and Elena from Morbid, they're doing a rewatcher. Of where, Buffy? Yeah, where they watch an episode say, well, and then they talk through it. One of my favorite podcasters, Joanna Robinson, she loves Buffy. And so I'm always like, I guess maybe I should watch Buffy. And it's nice because Ash has never seen it. So Elena's my age almost exactly. Right. And then she watched it when it was airing. Mm-hmm. And Ash has never seen it. Ash is like 25 or something. And so she's quite young. But she she's never seen it. So they're wa- every time they watch it and they are talking about an episode, it's the first time Ash has ever seen that episode. 
So that's yeah. really fun. And yeah, like, that is good. Again, I don't get paid for that. I'm just throwing that out there. I also no, it's Doug completely Jones could, normal to talk about other podcasts that you like. Yeah, and I think Doug Jones could be the Weaver. I think the Weaver. weaver. He would be an amazing Weaver. I mean, I, the eye hand guy is almost the Weaver already. Sorry, I did it again. It's fine. <laughs> just triggering just, you over yeah. there. Um, um, and I did do. I cast the cereal. You didn't put the cereal on the. No, list. but you have. You have the best choice for the cereal. I want it to be Octavia Spencer. I know, and I want it to be. Um, even if they do her as the um, like skeleton with the cape or cloak or whatever, right. I want them to do motion capture of yeah. Octavia Spencer um, yeah. spilling the tea to everybody. Yeah. And then do the CG on top of that. Yeah. With her voice. Yes. Yeah. I. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you cast the cereal. I <laughs> would probably have put Tilda Swinson somewhere in there mm. just because I'm obsessed with how otherworldly she looks. I loved it. She's in a movie called Orlando with um, Billy Zane. And it's a, <laughs> I don't know why Billy Zane is so funny to me. But she starts out the movie. I think movie. because of his character in Zoolander. Yeah. <laughs> but she starts out the movie as a man. I, and she I have started that the movie. movie as a woman. And right. it's a book. Yeah. It's a book. And it's a good book. Um, but for that, because of that movie, for a very long time, I did not know whether Tilda Swinton was a man. Or a woman. Really? So every time I would see her in a feminine role, I was like, well, that's good. I'm so glad for him. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I was, uh, yeah. Well, that's because what I love about such him. Because she does a her... fabulous job yeah. doing it that I was, I, I bought. I bought in the whole movie. Yeah, every she's very it. androgynous, just like, and very otherworldly looking in the most beautiful way. Yes. Yeah. I was watching something the other day about how they put her in makeup for... A Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, yeah. And how, like, making her look like that evil queen lady. Yeah, the... That when, tricks people into thinking Turkish Delight is the, Turkish delight is good. But it's not. It's not. It's disgusting. It's the texture. Yeah. Yeah. It's like overset jelly. That's gross. Yeah. Um, Are we at the big two? Yeah, we're at the big two. All right. So who did you choose for Feyre? I just burped. Sorry. That's um, fine. Billy Bass. She played um, in the interview with the vampire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was Claudia. Yeah. Yeah. She would be a good one. She, her transition from I'm 14 and a vampire to I'm in my late 30s and I still look 14 was amazing. Yeah. Was fabulous. Yeah. And I think she could do early Feyre, human Feyre. Where she's worldly in that she's capable of take caring, taking care of herself, but she's innocent in that she hasn't had any experience right. with interpersonal relationships. Right. I think we could go from that to end of Wings and Ruin, Feyre. Yeah. Really well. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. That's a good one. Mine was um, Freya Maver. Look her up. Uh, this is a cast based on she's a young Scottish actress. I she's in the show called Skins. Did you ever see Skins? No. Um, but she definitely has that. I, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos with her in it, and what I really love about it is like naturally, without any kind of makeup or anything, she's stunning mm. in a very like girl next door yet slightly more way. I've seen her in something. Right. But she's very beautiful. And in all honesty, she's 
how Pharaoh looks in my mind. Yeah, it's interesting that I definitely went um, like Idris Elba, Zendaya, Bailey, ba- Bailey Bass for the women. For the women. And I went the other way for the men. I'm looking to see if there's anything I've seen her in. Probably she's been in a couple of murder mysteries. And if I've watched them with mom, then I've probably seen her. Mm-hmm. Hopefully when they do the casting, we get the same treatment Wheel of Time got, which is we we found people who would fit the role because of how good they were at acting and not because they looked a certain way, which is what I hope we would do when we cast this. Does that make sense? So when they did the Wheel of Time, everybody in the Wheel of Time is white. Robert Jordan didn't oh yeah 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 yeah, at all no and so when they did the casting we got what they went by who did a great job at being the character Character. right oh Uh, who's it doing hulu hulu's doing it they just need to listen to our podcast and they'll know exactly who to cast yeah and they'll have billions of dollars so that they can book zendaya as nesta and hang on to her as a background character for yeah, it's three, fine. Three seasons. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> She's not even really in the first book. It's fine. We just right. need her she, at the she beginning. She shows up and everybody's like, oh, hey, Zendaya. Yeah. And then... Um, it's like when she was in Dune and she told all of her fans. She was like, don't go see this movie for me. I'm like, not even in this movie. Right. I'll be in the second movie yeah. a little bit. Did you see Dune? I did see Dune. Did you like it? I love Dune. I've always loved Dune. You love the story of Dune? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like... I don't like... Um, What's his name without a beard? Timothy um, Chalamet? No. <laughs> Can he even grow a beard? No. I think um, so. What's his name? Isaac- Aquaman. Oh, Momoa. Yeah. Jason Momoa. Yeah. Uh, he has a beard when we first meet him, and then he shaves it, and he just, it's not, no, don't. Jason Momoa, you need a beard. You need a beard. Because it hides the fact that you don't have a chin. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm all for Jason Momoa. He's... Very handsome. Yeah. But he looks really good in a beard. Yeah, he does look really good. Yeah. Cal Drogo is. Mm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So, yeah, I like Dune. It was fine. I don't, I don't know why it got so much hype. Um, probably because there were so many big names in it. And the, it is a huge budget. And the guy that did it is a really, like, artsy director guy. Yeah. I liked, they were, I liked the 1980s Dune. A lot. Uh, the one with um, the guy from Twin Peaks. Yeah, that is the weirdest fucking movie. <laughs> I love that movie. God, I watched uh, it recently. Yeah. Oh. I watched it right before Dune came out, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is." And I read it, so it's so funny. I I listened to well, when I say read, I listened to it like three times. Yeah, while I was painting, um, our mutual friend's parents' lake house. Hmm. before they sold it. And I was just painting and listening to Dune. And I was like, yeah, this is a good story. I could see why it was really novel back in the day. Um, but reading it after reading, you know, all the other things that copied it and yeah. like, took from it, it's wild that George Lucas didn't change the name of Spice to anything else. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'll just take that. I'll just lift that wholesale. Like, just lift it. I wish it was the same thing. Yeah. In universes, because then I feel like the force would be actually probably really connected to spice. <laughs> Which is since spice causes magical powers. Yeah. Yeah. But uh the book's great. I oh. read the book a long time ago. Maudib. 
Yeah. Yeah. Muad'Dib. Muad'Dib. Yeah. And sci-fi had a miniseries. Sci-fi had a miniseries way back in like 2000. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And they had a sequel. They did the next two books combined as a miniseries, Children of Dune. Right. And Dune Heretic. And they put them together and made Children of Dune. And it has um, James McAvoy in it. Really? Yeah. And every time I see James McAvoy, I'm like, oh, that guy from that Dune miniseries that <laughs> nobody else remembers. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> call him that. I, James McAvoy is Professor X to me. Yeah. Well, of the course, first thing I course. ever saw him in yeah. was that. And I remember the show because when sci-fi did it, it was before sci-fi was a big deal. As big of a deal it is, as it is now. So they had to go to, I think it's uh, some... Um, country i can't remember off the top of my head but they ended up hiring a bunch of people from there to be in it and so everybody has these really gorgeous accents oh wow these extremely unfamiliar accents and it is it adds so much to the movie because everybody's not american oh that's awesome the main actor is and the people in his family are but they're from a different planet but everybody from dune has these just gorgeous accents like um trying to think of the country but it's not it's not like scottish or irish or english any of the accents that we're familiar with it's this other very exotic sounding accent but an english accent but Um, it's english they're speaking english but they have a really really pronounced exotic accent and it's so cool and then they did the same thing for the sequel where they went back and then they hired all these people from the country they were in and so you get the same just beautiful and it makes it just adds to the world because they're all speaking whatever like a common language, which in this case sounds like English, um, but they're all speaking it accented, which I always love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like a that that I was thinking about that on the way over here. I'm glad you brought it up. I don't like my fantasy stories to have American English. Yeah, I want them to speak Eng- like the. Queen's English. Well, let's finish our our casting. Oh yeah, okay. I, I have a I, I have a thing to say about that. Okay, okay. all yeah. right. So we'll circle back to that. Okay, so we are at Resand. Yeah. Um. So who is your Reese? Tom Ellis. Who is he? He's Lucifer. Oh. Yeah. 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 He's tall. Yeah. He's ripped. Yeah. And he could do goofy, like goofy Reese. When he's alone with Vera. Yeah. And he could do aloof, I could melt you with my eyeballs, Reese. Yep. Which he sure could. He does. I mean, that's effectively his character, especially towards the end of Lucifer where, spoiler alert, he and Chloe finally get together. Okay. And so then we get like, sweet, I'm finally with you, Chloe, Lucifer. And then we get sad, uh, a huge dramatic thing happens, Lucifer. And we still get, I am... Satan and and at this point actually God too. So anyway, I'm like the divine being and I could melt you with my eyeballs. And so he does get we do get the whole range of Yeah. There. So he can he already has the like weight to pull the power play. Like yeah. to p- pull that yeah. power. We, we know he can do it and be incredibly hot while doing it. Yeah. Could he have long hair while doing it? I don't know. Well, I don't think Reese has long hair. Reese has shorter hair. Well, I don't think we ever say. I think I she think, runs her his her fingers through his hair all the time. Yeah, but it's, it's not. Silken. It's not. It's like a. She does describe it. It's not long. The only one that has long hair is Cassian, mm. and I know that 
because all of the fan art is very consistent. <laughs> You're like, I know that because I'm a fan art connoisseur. Yeah, and yeah. all the, and I remember read. I remember. I don't remember when, but I remember reading that. Yeah. Um. So who's your Reese? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Reggae John Page. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like his Bridgerton role a little bit. Did you watch that? I did watch Bridgerton. Yeah. Right? Hey, let's lie to each other for six episodes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but he's just, he could do it. Yeah. You oh, know? he was good. I'm not, it was good. Yeah, he could, he, he could do it. Yeah. I think he could carry it. I think that he could. Especially if we get the wardrobe from Bridgerton. All right, of his phenomenally tailored suits. suits. I mean, that's Reese wears really yeah. beautiful black oh, tailored suits. Nothing like a well tailored suit, especially if there's a vest. Oh yeah, it's sexy as hell. Oh, like, yeah. I know, I know. A well dressed man is <sighs> Henry yep. Cavill. Mm, don't I can't. <laughs> but we just. I'm glad we already established that masturbation is a key part of our. <laughs> I mean, them. anybody who's a whole person yes. should also be attuned. Um, yeah, he is a, yeah, I think he would be a great Reese. And I think that, um, I think he just could really like crush and embody that role. Yeah. Especially like, I mean, they don't have to, but these men are super muscular mm-hmm. in um, the story. Yeah. And they don't have to be on screen. But, like, if he put on, like, 30 pounds of muscle, <laughs> I mean, and his traps, like, built up a little bit, mm-hmm. and he, he, like, went full cavil traps. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know? No, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. You're there. We're all there. I just think that I, I'll be really curious. It'll be really cool to see when they do cast it. I look all the time now. There hasn't been any news about this show since 2021. I hope it doesn't get, like – I hope it's one of those stories that gets enough, um, like, clout and viewership that yeah. they can really take it because yeah. they're putting out a lot of really like high budget fantasy right now. And I think this one, we're still not getting anything like this. We're in a good fantasy era. We right are now. in a great yeah. fantasy era. Yeah. And um, Willow is, did you watch, did you like Willow? I kind of want to wait and rewatch the movie Willow, which I loved growing up. I, I watched, that was the one, Willow, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, they're all Right. The movies you would grab every Friday night I at kind of want to rewatch the movie and yeah. then do the television show for the pod. Yeah. So I haven't watched it yet because I'm sort of saving myself. Well, I watch it weekly as it's coming out, and it is – I'll let you watch it. Okay. I'm not, I don't want to give you any kind of um, – but yeah, Willow's one of my favorite movies. It's an excellent – Quaint well, I, little standalone. I've been waiting for season two of Carnival Row since 2019. Yeah, are we going to get one? finally coming out. Oh, really? Yep. I thought, I, yes. w- I was literally thinking about that a few days ago. Nope. Like They put season two tab up on there. There's nothing okay. in it yet, but it's supposed to start releasing beginning of 2023. Cool. So I doubt we'll get another season, but that show we waited four years for. Yeah, so, I watched every, I watched every episode of that. It has, it. Did that come out weekly or did that come out? Was that episodic? I think it was because I caught it when it was already like six episodes in. Oh, I, I watched started all those it from and the beginning, then I, I think. caught up as it aired. Didn't that come out during the pandemic? Right before. And they were filming the season two when the pandemic started. Okay. And that's why they had to like put a pause and then go back and finish. Yeah. yeah. I remember that f- fairy floaty sex scene. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a great show. It was the first I had seen Orlando Bloom and other stuff, but it, I I like older Orlando Bloom. Like I had young me liked Orlando Bloom has consistently stayed my style as he's aged. So I liked young ethereal Orlando Bloom and Lord of the Rings. Oh my god. Sorry. <laughs> I sorry, I just went somewhere else. Keep going. Yeah, and now we've got and I liked fun but honorable Orlando Bloom in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And then now we're in our, like, older, handsome, beefier Orlando Bloom phase. So. Yeah. Thank you, Orlando Bloom. Um, Always being there for me. Do you know who else is one sexy-ass motherfucker? And this is what made me, Orlando, talking about Orlando Bloom as an elf made me think about this. Lee Pace. Do you know who Lee Pace Holy is? Holy shit, I love Lee Pace. <laughs> Dude, we got to cast Lee Pace. Lee Pace has to be something. I don't care. We'll just throw him in there. He we'll does villains sometimes, but it's I don't need him to be a villain. Him in Pushing Daisies. Oh, he's so fine. Did you watch Foundation? No. I'm surprised. It's a really good sci-fi show. Uh, Matt Red Foundation. Right, but it's a show on Apple+. Plus. Yeah. It's good. I, sometimes I forget television shows have come out or whatever. It takes yeah. me a while to get or, to them. Or Raised by Wolves. Did you watch that? I saw it when it, I saw, I remember seeing parts of it. But oh I my it God. If you want to talk about a fucking shit show of a show, <laughs> it is like wildly like, oh my God, is that what just happened on the screen? I'm like, oh my God, did that mer- oh, Lee Pace is Hellion. Lee oh Place my could God, be Hellion. Lee Pace is Hellion. Hellion. Yes, yes, yep. yes, yes. That's Lucian's dad, right? Yep, and he's Absolutely. even bisexual, so it's just yeah, one hundred percent. Slot it right in there. Yeah, boom, perfect, done, done. He is so fine. Yeah, yes, he got to be in something. Oh, that man, perfect. He's just perfect. Anyways, <laughs> um, thanks for. So now that we've finished our casting call, okay, let, let me woo-hoo. talking about language going yeah, zips me, up and back. So the penult, the ultimate sex scene. So we get, um, we get kind of denied our sex scene for most of this book. So yes, Reese and Feyre are living together. Yes, they're t- but they're busy. Yeah, which is real life. They're too busy. They're both too tired. Yeah. Every time they come back, one's asleep. And they don't want to wake them up, or they get up early and leave. Yeah, they're a married couple. They're a married couple. Oh, there's a huge thing we're not talking about either. Go ahead. We'll get there. Okay, sorry. You, next. Next. Me first. Yeah, I know, uh, I know. So we finally get our, okay, we're going to have sex. And he, like, spirits them away to that house. And she's like, oh, I thought we weren't supposed to be able to winnow here. And he's like, I changed the rules. So I'm yeah. going to winnow in here now. And so he winnows her there, and she's like, I want you to fuck me against the wall so hard the paintings fall off. Which, okay, great. Wait, it's a circle back. Yeah. We've we've had our time where we weren't right. able to get together, and we really just want to, like, we want to have this moment. And then halfway through it, <laughs> yeah. she's like, oh, she realizes that they can mentally connect during this. Yeah. And so this is our moment where it really switches from, we're just, we needed a physical release with each other, to this is a, like, life-changing, uh, I'm asking you to have a baby with me. This has become like our first sex towards having a child. Right. And she, so they like touch mind to mind. And in in this moment, when she could have used any language, <laughs> any, she's like, can you fuck me in here too? <laughs> we had so much available to us. Yeah. And we 
Can you fuck me in here too? <laughs> I guess she was just in in the mood. She was like, "Oh, we're here." I'm yeah, just, I've already because I think it's because we already had classified this as we're going to. This is a this is a fuck event. This yeah. is not a making love event. Yeah, this is a we're this right, is a fuck right. event. And then we switched really to yeah. we're making a family. Yeah, and instead of sort of updating our language to keep us in to keep me specifically yeah in the <laughs> keep you in the story in the story right now uh we 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 dropped the f-bomb again and yeah I, you know can, can you i know you you've already said i think it was the first episode you said like you get really pulled out by the words that most people actually find reasonable yeah like you need the softer what some people would call cringier dialogue to keep you in the fantasy sometimes story. yeah yeah heard i'm i'm okay right at, right when we're we winnow to the cottage we change all the rules because whatever and then all of a sudden she's like you know fuck me so hard against the wall that the paintings fall off but yeah great yeah absolutely you guys have had a really hard time yeah it's been really tough you can make love later right now you just need to you just need to get to it and right. that's fine so right. fuck in that context i'm i'm perfectly happy with sure but as soon as we switch to like romance. I don't want fucking my romance. Ah, uh, I see. I, I don't mind. Yeah. 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 You see where I'm going? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I totally get it. I don't know if I noticed that because I skipped the sex scenes in this book because uh-huh. I'm tired of them having sex. <laughs> because it's like, I, I, I'm trying to really like unpack why once they're married and once it's a healthy, loving relationship, I'm done. I don't need to hear. <laughs> like, I, I don't hear need your healthy love. Yeah. Your healthy love and healthy intimacy. I don't because need to hear about no that. Because there's no flaw to it anymore. And the yeah, flaw is and always I need what's attractive. The, yes. I need the chaos. So, Well, that's because we like a flawed character. We like a flawed relationship. We like a flawed story. Yeah. Because the flaw is where we learn. How are they going to overcome this flaw? How are we going to work past this? How are we going to whatever? And once we're solid, once we're married, we're together, nothing's going to change. They're together for, I don't know, somehow they're going to stay married for the next 1,500 fucking years. Yep. And they're going to be happy the entire time, which is not real life, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but we also think that fairies have, they have different emotional scales. I think they do. Yeah, they must. Well, I don't know. I always like the ones where... Um, Babylon 5 specifically has an episode where he meets this immortal being and he's like, well, what do humans live for? And the guy answers love. Like I'm, I'm doing this for my love. And he goes, oh, I just love how you believe love is forever because you're not forever. Oh, and, yeah. and he's like, it's fine. And the way the guy frames it is that's great. Like, I love that you can have this passion because you burn brightly and then you burn out. Yeah. Whereas if you burn forever, Passion is not your wheelhouse anymore because your life's now a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I've always thought that these fairy people burn way, 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 way brighter because they do live so much longer. Yeah. So when that bond clicks in, like they have a magical bond. Which you have to have. If you didn't have that, the story doesn't work. Right. Yeah. But anyway... Um, what was my point that I was getting at there? Oh, once they're solid, they're married, they're whatever. You're not learning anything from it anymore. It's just voyeuristic. Also, I think it's, yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. It's no, it it no longer feels like a new connection. It feels like I'm prying in. Yeah. And I want to give people space. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think the only I reason I want to give them their space. Yeah, the only reason we didn't, I didn't skip this one personally is because we just, she was alluding the whole time, which I knew she was going to tell him, I just want to go ahead and make babies with which you. Which is so annoying because, okay, let me, whoop, 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 whoop. It is <laughs> per, it's just the age thing. They have literally only known each other a year. Yeah. She's 21 and they live forever. Yeah. And now they're going to have a baby. Yeah. And that baby is going to be a baby for 75 years. Yeah, but they have staff. They do have staff. They have nannies. Yep. Plenty of staff. Yeah. They got those two brilliant. Just hand them off to the, the wraiths. wraiths. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It just still seems like Rissanne gets to live 500 years. Yeah. And Farrah gets to live 21. It's her choice, though. Yeah. And that is what. You know, for some women, that's, feminism is about is that the power to make your own decisions and do whatever you want. Right. And for some women, that that's that feels like completion. Yeah. That and that like and that is that's yeah. perfectly fine. Um, but uh, yeah, so she decides to have a baby and then we're going to get a baby. Um, I figured we would. Yeah. Because we kept going, well, it could take years. It could take years. And I'm guessing. And we've seen the baby. We years. saw their kid. In the first book, second yeah. book. Yeah, but it was the bone carver, so he could be pulling from anywhere Yeah, in the future, which we don't ever explain. Pippin is snoring. That's the cat? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> My <laughs> face was like, what is happening here? <laughs> he's snoring. No, he's snoring like sitting up. It's so cute. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you like this one. Yeah, it was good. It's it a was sweet short. little story. Sweet. story. Yeah. It was a bridge. Yeah. It gets us from the end of the, and end kinda, of the war to and it setting prep, up a new story. Yeah, it kind of gets us ready for Silver Flames, which I hope you like as much as me. It's definitely my favorite out of all of them, but I just really like Cassian because he is Henry Cavill. Just think that Cassian is Henry Cavill. Then I'll be fine. Yep. I mean, this was a good palate cleanser. Yeah. Because okay, the, good. the end of... Wings and Ruin was so long, hectic. Which which end? <laughs> it was so hectic. It was like, you know, here's these yeah. people are arriving and they can fly and they have wings, but their wings have feathers. And then these people arrive and blah, blah, blah. But Amorin is dead, but Amorin is not dead. And so it was just so. Yeah, I like much. this soft, gentle downtime. And they, it was, oh, okay, we need to pause. Yeah, it's and, nice to get stories of our characters where we just get to see them being them. Right. Yeah. Which is, it goes back to Sarah J. Mass as a character writer. Yeah. She writes characters. Yeah. That's why her plots sometimes feel a little, oh, okay. I mean, we, we need something to happen to yeah. get people to keep reading this story. Right. But really, she's here for the characters, which is why she has so many, uh, like, sets that just feel like sets where people do stuff in them, like the townhouse. It's just the townhouse. And then she'll drop a whole bunch of characters in there, and now they're all forced to interact. Yeah. And that's what she loves. Yeah. She loves all those people talking and doing stuff and planning and all that stuff. Right. And then when stuff has to actually happen, it feels very perfunctory. It's like, well, then we showed up, and then the serial showed up, and we had a conversation. And instead of being like, okay, then I set the trap, and I like tied my snare or whatever. She's like, I don't know. I did whatever. And then the serial showed up, and we got to talk, and it was so much fun, and I love my girl. And then she's like, and then bye, serial. And then she be like, it feels so fast. See you fast. next time, serial. It feels yeah. so fast because she's like, I got to change setting. I got to have something happen yep. to keep driving the plot forward, whatever the plot may be, which sometimes we know what that is, and sometimes we don't. And uh, then we can get to another fun character interaction. Right, right. 
Yeah, I like this one. I'm glad you liked it. Um, any? Do you want to take a guess, a quick minute, what you think is coming up in Silver Flames? Well, I know we're getting more Nesta because you hinted that. So I'm hoping we have our Nesta and Cassian either finally beat each other or get together or both. Yeah. One and then the other or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I, I want Nesta to stop being the character we're supposed to hate but see as strong. Yeah. I, I want her to. I don't see her as strong. I think she's, yeah. I hear well, that's you. why everybody keeps calling her a queen. Or whatever. Oh, you don't because you empathize so deeply with Nesta. Yeah. So you realize all of this is coming from a place of epic a place of um wound. Yeah. Of, wounded. She's super wounded. Of trauma, a place of yeah. trauma. And but really she hasn't grown that much. She was the same character type before she became a fairy. She just didn't have any justification for it. And now she's just clinging to that as her life raft. Her, everyone sees me as this person. And this person was fine as far as I was concerned. So I'm going to keep trying to be that person. And I want to see where we're going to go with her. Yeah. And I'm hoping it doesn't take too long. <laughs> It'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, it would be hard to read too much from her point of view of her just being the victim no, the entire it, time. It's a good book. It, it has, you'll, you'll like it. Yeah. I, I hope so. I, I we'll you'll, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I don't. We, I'm trying to think of like at the end of Wings and Ruin. I know we had the cauldron, and she just told those two people to go hide them. Yeah, she was like, oh, you're like friends with my friends, and they trust you or whatever. So can you? So have can you this, take this back to your can you have island? This thing of ultimate power, like back to I'll, your island, I'll put it yeah. in your ship. You can just take it to your island. It's fine. And then that's the beginning of a story called Lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because um, we definitely didn't already have a perfectly sealed place for it in the summer court because they had that like title thing that um, where oh, they yeah. found the half the book right where it right. was like sealed like right. with this ancient magic. I mean, was it though? Because Farah broke into it, but, but only because special. of Farah yeah. being made. Yeah, she could like attune herself to that, and, and because everybody's the summer powers. court can get into yeah. it. But all we have to do is. Make the lock a better lock. Yeah, that's true. Um, can we zip back to the languages? Oh, yes. Yeah, and how? I no, no, no. To. You don't have to apologize. No. Yeah, I just said fuck a lot. And then you were like, okay, yeah. Alone. <laughs> no, no, no. I, w I was thinking about how I, I like to think of Tamlin with a, like a Southern accent. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about the Illyrians having like a Scottish accent. It's funny you think of him as having a southern accent. Tamlin? Tamlin. Yeah. yeah. Like a good old boy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, I know. I've worked with a lot of good old boys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it has to do with like where we're from. Yeah. It also has to... <laughs> the... <laughs> The reckoning of the cis-straight white man being the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. The reckoning that we're yeah, living white, through. White men are in their villain era, but not in a good way. <laughs> in their villain era, as in they've de they've deserved it for <laughs> fucking centuries now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and that I don't like my fantasy characters to have American accents. Yeah. I like them to have. It always feels. Flat, probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pedestrian. Common. Common. 
Pedestrian, yeah. Yeah. For sure. It just feels not fantasy. But I wonder if people in England and places that have the accents that I want to hear in my fantasy (laughs) feel that way about American accents. Like, American accents belong in, like, Western movies. I guess. (laughs) I spoke with a lady who had a British accent one time, and she said that to her, Americans all sound happy all the time. Like, our accent sounds really poppy, like bouncy. Yeah. And so I imagine that would take you out if you're trying to have a dark, yeah, like, soulful. Yeah. There's certain accents that we associate with that feel. Right. And a poppy bouncy American accent probably isn't one of them. Right. Like uh, somebody that I thought, uh, have you seen Emily in Paris? I have heard of it. it it's pretty good, actually. I, well, I like the costumes. I mean, not the costumes. I like the clothes. I mean, it's mm. a high fashion show. Yeah. But there is a guy in that, call, what's his name? Lucas Bravo. That I also thought, he was a runner up for Reese. Mm. Um, he has these, piercing blue eyes but he is um i think he's french and he has a french accent and he is uh, french look at him Ooh. look at him yeah i just looked him up yeah he'd be a, i think he'd be a really great recent too mm-hmm. um but i i thought the french accent would be really good for reese too yeah because it's a it's like our romance it's accent. a romance yeah, yeah. That's our like sexy, mm, sex like and a buttery, sexy language. Yeah. Um. Oh my god! I just thought of something I wanted to ask you, and I can't remember what it was. I love a Spanish accent. Yeah. Yeah. Like Javier Bardem's, like yeah, thick mm-hmm. Spain Spanish. Spain th- with vosotros. The yeah, the Iberian Peninsula. That, yeah. Yeah. That accent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the the. Th- Sound. The, 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 yeah. yeah. Both <laughs> Are we allowed to say that? I don't know. Is that I've problematic? Been to, I've been to Spain. I mean, that is what we learn in school. Is well, they're, that they're always like, don't don't worry about vosotros. It's fine. Nobody it's because it's it. Spanish. Yeah. And that there's a lisp. It, there, it, do, it does sound to us like a lisp. Like a because lisp. their king had a lisp. And so everybody replicated it. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. We should Google it just to confirm. Pause <laughs> to Google. But I'm I'm almost certain that they had a leader that had a lisp. But you do, if you want to sound accurate, you do have to do that. Uh, and it feels funny. Like I had a host mom when I was in Spain and I was trying to tell her I was going to McDonald's and I kept just saying McDonald's. <laughs> we are correct. Sorry, uh, go ahead. Um, I kept just saying McDonald's because I thought, oh, it's McDonald's. It's fine. Everybody knows that one. She was like, what? I'm like, McDonald's. And what? And I was like, McDonald's. <laughs> like, I had to say it like the, the stupid American version of a Spanish accent. Oh, really? And she was like, oh, oh, oh. So she didn't understand it when you were saying it. Yeah. But like polite po- American me was like, I don't want to try that. That sounds like I'm being like didactic. It sounds like I'm talking down to you. Like I was trying to just right. tell her McDonald's. Yeah. And, I had, and we and it, have to like... L- we don't do accents. We we can't. We can only do certain accents. Yeah. So I was yeah. trying to be like, oh god, I'm. Tr- I don't. I don't want to. I don't want you to think I'm making fun of you right. by trying to put this McDo- McDonald's in, in a, a Spanish Spanish accent. accent. I ended up having to do it, and she 
got it when I did that, but it was so hard to overcome that. Like, I'm trying to respect you. I'm trying to respect you so hard right now. Please don't make me disrespect <laughs> you right don't now. Make me. How was McDonald's? It was, I mean, it was okay. I only went there like once because I, anytime I was in another country, I, I really just tried to avoid any like American. Yeah, food. I wouldn't. I actually, to be honest, I would probably go to a McDonald's in every country just to see the difference. Um, they <laughs> usually the difference was toppings. If I had to, you know, when I was in Iceland and Norway, do you know what they put in everything? And I thought it was the weirdest thing ever corn, oh. like corn kernels. Like maybe there's like a lack of fiber in their diet or something, but there was corn, corn kernels and everything. There were corn on the burgers. Wow. I was like, that is so weird. I mean, it has a great texture, I guess. That's just something you wouldn't think about doing because we think of it as a side dish. Yeah, but there was like yeah. corn in everything. Spain food, good. Great. Love Spain for food. Yeah. Went wow. to China. China food, great. Loved the ch- loved food in China. Yeah, and, and rolling it back to I mean, Sarah J. Mass. I think she does a good job of giving us different, like, they eat a lot. Yeah, they do. Yeah, we cover a lot of their, which sometimes we don't in fantasy novels. We kind of skim whatever. They have whatever magic, fairy rations. They don't have to eat ever. It's okay. Um, but she does a good job of, like, the role of food and how food brings them all together. They always get together over food. And then when someone is on the, when someone is emotionally, on the outs, like Nesta is right now. She does not partake in food. That right. food is really like a comfort thing. And she frames it as comfort. And that when you don't want to feel comfortable, when you want to feel your pain. You, you don't eat. You don't eat. That's pretty real, though. For some people, not me. <laughs> some people, I think it goes either way. You either don't eat because your feelings are too big or you got to eat your feelings. Yep, I'm going to eat my feelings kind of girl. Um, I just like eat all feelings, mostly boredom. <laughs> is boredom a feeling? Boredom is a yeah. ADHD yeah. kid, heck yeah, for boredom is a feeling. It feels like hell. It's the worst feeling. Unstimulated. <laughs> Get me out of there. Get me out of there. Um. So no, I don't have any real good predictions. I kind of just like to suspend. Yeah, and you if, don't have to. If I think too deeply about a book, I. I'm usually pretty good at guessing where it's going, and then I don't want to read it anymore. Right. So, like, I tried to read The Secret Life of Addie LaRue, mm-hmm. and I got to the part where she meets the guy who can remember her. And I thought, ah, fuck. He must have made a deal. And whatever his deal is makes it so that he can remember her. But he's if she's going to live forever, he's definitely going to die soon. Is that what happened? That's exactly what happened. Okay, I won't read it now. And I got, I was like, oh, no, tell me that's not it. And I looked it up, and that's exactly what it was. Oh my god, another spoiler! I am so sorry. That's fine. You're gonna write. <laughs> you're the one that has to write the spoiler already. Um, and I just thought. So then I didn't finish it. I'm sure the rest of the book was fine, but I was like, whatever. So I try to just take it, take it as it comes. Yeah, I mean that happens a lot. Sometimes I feel like it's satisfying to know what's going to happen and be right. Yeah, because it's almost like I want that to happen. Or I I guess there's a difference in that. Knowing that something is going to go a different direction and wanting it to go a different direction, uh, a certain direction are two different things. So I think one of the things in, um, you know, Wings and Ruin, I mean, you could kind of predict some of the things that are happening, but I was kind of satisfied that their dad showed up and um, 
you know, kind of stuff like that. But I, I definitely see what you're saying. I want to be surprised. You want I like it. a book surprise. You want surprising. the author to be smarter than you. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I think uh, Sarah Damas is kind of, um, she wrote herself into an extremely complex situation at the end of Wings and Ruin. And that's not where she shines, which is why it felt like she had so many endings. She had three at least. Yeah. Yeah. Those sort of situations where she's juggling a lot of action, a lot of characters, and she has to make it feel like there's actual stakes without her actually wanting there to be real stakes. Um, is not, it's not, she does it and she does it fine, but it's not where she's the best. Right. That's why I think the first book was so, why I enjoyed it so much better is because that's her wheelhouse. Those one-on-one, two characters interacting, building each other. We're building our understanding of each other through their interactions. Mm-hmm. That's where she's best. Yeah, she, she could, she could do with some actually killing a legitimate character. I know we don't like it to happen, but well, it, she could do it. She might do it. I think that she is, I mean, if you think about it, she's got this series, there's five of them. She's got eight thrown a glass. She might have some other stuff. I, I thought I read everything, but Crescent City or something. Yeah, so yeah. I read those two. And Crescent City, sh- you lose characters that are, I'm not going to tell you more, but like, there's this one scene where I was like sobbing. I was like, this is so great job. Great yeah. job. <laughs> you took somebody out. Good job. And it she did it in the most epic, powerful way. And I was sobbing when this character does their thing. So maybe she's still learning. I think she's kind of young. I mean, I think she's probably our age. Let's look up. How old is this woman? I don't know. Let's see. But just think about te- uh, book series where you do lose characters and how much more real everything feels because you feel like it. Oh, any- yeah. She's 36. Like at any moment. Isn't 86? Isn't that your year? 85. You're 85? Okay. Because if you know you could lose a character, you hold on to them even that you're like, oh, no, please don't do this. Because instead of it being like, oh, okay, well, she's going to figure out how to defeat them. It's going to be fine. Yeah. The stakes need uh, – you're right. Stakes need to be real. That's why Maverick is so good. Because <laughs> <laughs> the stakes are really high. I have cried at two books. In, in my, your life? In my life. Only two? Where the Red Fern Grows. Oh, God. Get out of here with that. If you didn't cry at where the red fern then grows, then you're not a person, or you you're need a sociopath. To go check yourself. It's a sociopath. You need test. to go find a therapist. Deep rooted problems. That yeah. is the saddest book. My mom and I were reading it out loud together for homeschool stuff, and we were both trying to read that end section, and we were both crying so hard we couldn't, and we ended up having to give up. It was so emotional. Yeah, I also cried at. Man in the Iron Mask, mm. like the book, Alexander Dumas, that one. There's a part in Alex, because you fall in love with the three musketeers in the first book, and then they're in the second book, and Porthos sacrifices himself to save everybody. And it's so dramatic and so well done and so, like, over-the-top heroic that I cried. Like, I had to sit there with a pack of tissues. And I think I highlighted that section, which I told you I don't normally write in books. Right. But... I was just so overcome because at the when when you meet them again in Iron Mask, they are they're older. They're not the young 
strapping. I mean, they're what? Instead of being 20, they're 35 or whatever. But they're like... Yeah, fucking old folk. Done, done, you know, because it's whatever, the 1700s or 1800s or whatever. So you, you die young. But they're... um. They're just, they're older and they're, they're like the remnants of this glory that they once were. And so he goes out in a way that he would have wanted to. And it just makes it so much more powerful, more powerful. That's it. Two books. Yeah. Ah, that's crazy. I love that for you. I, um, (laughs) I'm one of those people that if you're meant to, if it's meant to be tear jerking, I am going to You're there for it. I'll cry at a movie. I cried at plenty of movies. I cried. Constantly. I uh, This past week, I've been so emotional that, like, I'm always on the verge of tears. Always. So, like, I was watching TV, and I'm like, dang, like, I'm literally on the verge of tears. Anything <laughs> could potentially make me cry. you hair trigger right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fine today. It's probably because I got Mr. Tara back. I got my ADHD med, so I'm not, I'm just a little bit more leveled out. But, uh, yeah. All week, a maverick. I was like, "This is so great! This is so good!" I'll probably cry. I know Val Kilmer. They had get Val Kilmer come back. Yeah, and Val Kilmer is one of my favorite. Yeah, actors. Did you? Oh, so you love? Have we talked about? Um, but he's he's Mad Mardigan. The Saint. Right? He's like, I've seen The Saint. I was very young, but he's in Willow. He's Mad. Mardigan. Oh yeah, he's Mad Mardigan. Yeah. So that's when I think of Val Kilmer. I think that's how you, oh sexy Val Kilmer at his finest. Yes. He yes. was also good as Doc Holliday. He was kind of hot there, too. Not that it matters that they're hot. I, I hate that I keep being like, oh, no, no, they're no. so hot. I feel like we always follow it up. I do feel like we follow it up with, and they're good at acting. Yeah, but well, it and doesn't... people know that like, women are also not... I, I guess there's a difference there. Like We don't sexualize men to the point where they're only value is yes. that thing. Yeah. So it's okay and funny when we say it. Right. Versus a man who might actually only think that a woman is hot. Hot. Yes. Yeah. I, I think of it this way. If I went to a gallery, I'm expected to appreciate the works of art on the wall. Right. That's why I'm there. If I'm watching a movie, the types of people you cast, I'm either going to admire you for your acting skill, I'm going to admire you because you're beautiful or because you're handsome or because you're Henry Cavill and you've you're God's gift to everyone. (laughs) Thank you for just bringing us back there. But some combination (laughs) thereof I'm expected to, that's why I'm here. I've come to this movie. This is a gallery. This, this has been presented to me as something that I am to admire. So I'm just doing what you're asking me to do. If Henry Cavill is the witcher and he's smoking hot, he is, he's also fabulous. Geralt. Everything about it when him was great. His acting, the way he injected that character with a little bit of him and a little bit of the guy from the book, which is good because the books were not great. Yeah, I picked those books up to read and they were really hard. I th- I don't, th- I think that there's lost in translation there. That, there could be. I, I really think you the know, translation I just don't of like it. Yennefer. I, was probably I don't like Yennefer does. either. No. And she's better in the television show i thought i didn't really like her in the i She's was gonna ask how you felt about the witch in the television show the witcher like i liked the witcher enough to watch it but it's not something that i'm like i mean i take that back if a if a witcher if a witcher season dropped i'd be like peace i got tv to watch <laughs> but <laughs> i'll see you later i gotta go watch tv yeah um 
But I also didn't love it. Love it. But I also never played the video games. And I tried to read the books, but they didn't click. Season one I liked. Yeah. I liked a lot. Yeah. Season two was okay. You know what I didn't love? I liked the season two because we... We hearkened back to a lot of what the book is, which is twisted fairy tales. Mm. So like Beauty and the Beast, the guy that he meets who is a beast and he's in love with the beautiful woman who is actually a, like a vampire. Yeah. Um, we hearkened back to that a lot. And we get a little bit of our just like mini stories, like right. vignettes, which I really yeah, like. Yeah, Monster of the Week. Yeah, Monster of the Week, which I'm, I don't, I love, a, <laughs> sometimes I'm not, I don't have the attention span for you know, a twelve episode continuous storyline. No, I like episodes of the week. I watched all of Supernatural. I mean, yeah. you have to. Yeah, yeah. So th- we got a little bit of that, which is fine. But then by the time we get to the end, and we get the scene in the Witcher's Keep, where he they're battling that monster that gets into it's whatever. Yeah, the the keep where they all live. Yeah. The, the ruined castle where they all live. Here, mm-hmm. Morhan, I think. Sure. Something. Anyway, um, the the monster comes, and you have all of these. Okay, so he is supposed to be one of many. He is a witcher. He's a badass. He fights monsters. That's what he was designed to do. He was created to do that. All of the other witchers are the same. They all go out all year long. They battle monsters. They work for coin. They're all badasses. They were all born designed to be exactly the same thing. And yet, when this monster arrives... The only one who can defeat it is Geralt of Rivia. Everybody else is cannon fodder. They're getting decapitated, disemboweled, chunked all around. Nobody is holding their own at all. And then Geralt shows up and defeats the monster in like three sword moves. I wanted him to be one of many badasses. I wanted this to be a whole castle full of dudes who can absolutely defeat these monsters right i was perfectly happy with him being a member of a group that was they were all just amazing yeah and i didn't need him to be like the cowboy i didn't need him to be the best and yet that's what we make him and i felt like it cheapened the whole mythology around the witchers because they were all just one exceptionally bad bad guy away from dying that doesn't make any sense and when they were all these like superhuman, we can defeat anything, it was great because you knew that there were just these like lonely gods roaming around the continent defeating m- monsters that hurt humans. Yeah. And then we, we totally cheapen it by making them all yeah, cannon fodder. I mean, they're, they're all just there to die. So we know the situation is serious. Yeah. So that was once I saw that it just killed the whole rest of season two for me. I have I've watched season one I don't know how many times, but I haven't gone back and watched season two at all. I hate it when people ruin shows. Sorry, that it's was okay. Just... I'm not that upset. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, Kate, don't cry. Are you gonna cry? No, no it's fine. Um, yeah, that just harpens back to a little show known as always takes me back to season eight of Game of Thrones. Yeah. And the worst episode of TV that's ever happened. It's fine. They will remake it. Y'all will remake it. One day they'll remake it. Hey, once they've cast everything with our casting and fantasy gets its golden era. Yeah. We'll go back. We'll try again. Yeah. Well, and what's, what's, we still haven't had. So Game of Thrones laid a path for more fantasy, but Games of Thrones, Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones wasn't 
they highlighted the politics, the sex, and the rape. <laughs> not the not magic. the actual magic in the fantasy. Yeah. But it did open up this door. So now we're doing Wheel of Time, which was okay. Did you watch Wheel of Time? It was okay. It was okay. The first three episodes were fine. Then we had that one episode where we needed to get everybody back together. And instead of writing it, we just have them all show up in the same room at the same time. Right. And um, Ring of Power was okay. Did you I, watch it? I didn't finish it. It was okay. Um, we've got Willow. I won't comment because you're going to watch it. Um, you know, we have all these really big IP stories, but nothing is clicking. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what the numbers look like. I don't know how the whole big picture is feeling about stuff, but I would love this to come out and be something that you know, not, I don't think you're going to get a bunch of like the Star Wars fans yeah. into, but I would love to see something that like did really well. Like Outlander did really well. It does really well. People really watch it. Yeah. So I'm hoping that it becomes, you know, and I want it to do well just because I want it to have the budget so that it can do it all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't but. think that um, producers are the, the types of people that bankroll these shows have quite figured out exactly what it is we're looking for. They're throwing a lot of fantasy at us to kind of see what sticks. Because we got these huge properties like Game of Thrones and House of Dragon or whatever. Yeah, which was, House of Dragon was awesome. It was really good. So they're really like, okay, well, that worked. We got to figure out, let's just do a whole bunch and see which ones make money. Right. And so that's where and Amazon pays a billion dollars for the rights to the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So I feel like that's where we are right now is we're just throwing all of this stuff at the wall, throwing all of this stuff at the viewers to see what clicks, what clicks, what they love and what they don't. And they know that people, they know that people love these things and that they're going to tune in and that they're going to watch. I saw a TikTok the other day where a guy was saying, you've got these things that people love and you just keep changing them. Yeah. Yes. You're just changing them and you're trying to make it more marketable to the, what's the way that, that they described it? The like, the entry to it. Yeah. You want people to be able to enter into it. This came up, I was listening to a podcast about Avatar, The Way of Water. Mm -hmm. And it, a lot of people who don't normally do fantasy want to watch this show, want watch this movie because you don't have to watch five movies yeah. to know what's happening. You watch one movie. You go in and you get to be a part of this beautiful yeah. fantasy world. Um, and yeah, people want something entry. And I'm hoping that this could be something that people, we also maybe have, they can make it so that it's not so. We haven't had a good, high budget, well done fantasy series aimed at women. No, and this needs to be that. And that need, this needs to be that. Because a lot of times if it's a aimed at women, it's campy. It's like Bridgerton. I mean, well, Bridgerton, yeah. Which uh, was that aimed at women? I guess, but it's more like um, I'm trying to think of a good example. But it's where like it's more comedy, more comedy, more campy, not serious. Yeah, more sitcom like. Yeah, no, I want a serious fantasy like show. Serious. Well I don't done, want it to be high budget, funny, women. There can be jokes. Yeah, but it needs to be. I want. It's just. I can't, I don't want to talk about Willow right now because you're going to watch Willow. But we'll need to circle back to the to Willow. Yeah. 
Once I've seen it. Yeah. Because some of what you're talking about is happening. And that wasn't the case in the first, in the movie. No. The movie was funny when characters said funny things, but it wasn't intentionally, you know, like the part when the brownies carrying the baby and screaming. Yeah. I, I stole the I stole baby the while he was peeing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was funny because you're a little kid and you're like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I like the brownies. Yeah, yeah. the brownies are great. Um, and, uh. I stole the baby. <laughs> Matt loves that. I know. <laughs> I stole the baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the baby? Yeah. What's that actor's name? Uh, Pollock? I don't remember. Anyways, he, he comes back. He's on okay. Willow. Show. <laughs> Just letting you know. I mean, I don't need things to be life-changing. I've said this before. Yeah, I don't need I something that. to change my life. I just need it to be entertaining. Yeah. I am, but, I am a, a general, adrenaline. I am... I do search for the feeling of like in game. <laughs> I want to feel alive when I'm watching my TV. I want the feeling of fleabag where I'm watching something and I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to experience anything like this again. Like Andor. Andor did that. It's like, oh my God, this is such perfect TV. It's so perfect. It feels so good. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to describe what it is that's so good about it, but it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably an understanding of their audience. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing And knowing when to swerve and yeah. to make something look different because it wasn't working. Yeah. Andor is one of the most Star Wars shows I've ever seen. It is what we have always wanted Star Wars to feel like and look like. And a guy who did it who doesn't there's not a so he's not he's probably not playing to a lot of the fans. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not fan service at all. There's not one lightsaber in it. Well, maybe. Maybe question mark. <laughs> there's no force. Yeah. And there's no Jedi. And it's just feels so Star Warsy and it puts it makes the stakes for the rest of the story so much higher. Yeah. And you know that's you know Writing TV has to be so hard. It, I mean, I'm sure it so is. So everybody can make a podcast. Yeah. And talk about Honestly. it. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody can make a podcast these days. Talk for two hours. Two hours. I think we talked at least 30. Oh, this is 2.30 right now. You're going to have to cut some of this down. I will. I have least, some requests. At least 30% of this was um, a court of... Thorns and Rose, or Court of Frost and Starlight. Yeah. So that's good. 30%. That's good. We did good. We're striking a good... Yeah. I think we're doing 33, great. 33. Our voices are good to listen at um, on like 1.4 too. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. I guess we can wrap it up. Yeah. We so are, this, was, I mean, this was the shortest book and one of the longest podcasts. I think fun. because we just had a lot to, t because we're two women who enjoy a tra what is traditionally considered like a masculine, um, a masculine genre, sure. sci-fi. Yeah. Fantasy with like hack and slash, the sword fantasy. Right. right? The swords and knights and dragons and shit right and horror right i i like like light horror i don't like slasher fix i, I don't like like a psychological horror i'm in yeah if you're just killing people and I throwing body parts at I me don't I, don't I don't care i don't care it's messy it's i don't like it because it's messy there's no story i, I want to feel gooey i want to feel th i want to feel like I'm, I'm thinking about your it's movie. cerebral you have to be cerebrally yeah. engaged yeah, yeah. You're not so, just like stimulated by bloody stuff on the TV. Right. But I think 
our voices for all four listeners who are still listening. Thank you for being here. Thank <laughs> uh, you, Matt. It's important <laughs> for to listening have- to your wife's <laughs> podcast. It's important to have our voices out there because if we're not saying anything, we're not being heard. And it's like, uh, I want more feminine focused media in this genre because we're here, we're criminally underserved. And I'm not talking sex, hot guys and sex. That's not what I'm talking about. No, I understand what you mean. I mean like a, a fe- like this. Take a book written by a woman and don't try to serve everybody. You already have a fan base. Make it for them. And then make it for them. They, it's already working. People already love her books. Don't mess it up. Don't change it. Well, that yeah. And so... That's such a great point. I'm going to go to Harry Potter because I started watching the Harry Potter movies the other day when I was in bed with 101 fever. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie was made to be a, as good of an adaptation as possible. As close to the books as we can possibly get these movies. Yeah. And it was wonderful. Right. So And it's lasted. And we all knew what was going to happen because the whole world had read the books. And we were so excited to see those books come alive on screen. And that is what sometimes people get really upset about. And I understand it in a way. And sometimes, you know, I'm like, oh, you're getting a little upset. I understand that the criticism about the new Lord of the Rings shows. Yeah. Because they're not taking this thing that people love and want to see on the screen. And maybe after a few seasons, it looks more like the books and they find a way, but they're taking so many liberties to make it so much more palatable, like entry level. They're hitting for like, so me and Marvel, that's me. I don't watch anything Marvel because I'm so far behind. I can't keep up anymore. But I don't need a new Marvel show to speak to me. I understand where I'm at. If I want to consume this media, if I want to watch this show and understand it, and I'm motivated enough, I will go back and I will figure it out. But you honestly, in honest, uh, uh, in, I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Um, Every Marvel show is made in its own. Like, it's not necessarily... But WandaVision, the- sure, 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 Loki, sure, sure, sure. But most of the new stuff can exist on its own. Because that's what they're doing. Yeah. Is now we've taken, and that's why I think a lot of the new Marvel stuff is not as successful as some of the previous stuff. Because we're trying to create more entry-level stuff. We're trying to get somebody hooked so that they'll go back and start at the beginning. Yeah. And with something as long as the Marvel Universe has been, I can understand where we're pivoting to that. Because at this point, it's intimidating. If I was 12 and I had to start at yeah. Iron Man and work my way through 14 years of continuous content, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Right. But like Lord of the Rings, you were speaking to Lord of the Rings fans. Two Towers, this is the 20th anniversary of the Two Towers. The people who are coming to the Lord of the Rings now grew up with Lord of the Rings. The movies. We, we watched the movies. We read the books. We loved the shit out of everything. Not The Hobbit. I didn't love The Hobbit. But (laughs) we loved the shit out of... God, do you remember that little cartoon? Yes. It was so scary. I was singing that the other day. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say the music in it was horrifying. (laughs) I don't know why it was so terrifying, but it was as a little kid. It's scary. Like those hobbits. The goblins. Oh, singing. Yeah. Oh, let me look it up. You keep talking and I'm going to look up some of those songs. So when they made The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, 
these people that have grown up with it were looking for that fucking magic that was the Fellowship of the Rings. When it came on, and it wasn't the exact book, but every single change you understood, you were like, oh my God, yes, yes. The Lord of the Thank Rings. You. Perfect. Yeah, yes. it was a great, uh, Tom Bombadil, that's the only thing we were mad about. Yeah. Where's Tom? Right. You're just going right out, Tom Bombadil. Right. But I mean, but <laughs> Bombadil. <laughs> I mean, he works in a book. He doesn't work in a movie. Like, we can all admit that. I know. I he, get it. He slows the beginning down. I and get in a it. book, you don't care. But in a movie, you'd care. Yeah. And so, I get it. But it was a great adaptation oh, was, of the story. It was fucking perfect. It was exactly. And that's I, why it won I Oscars. Sobbed. Peter Jackson. Return won, of the King. One long tear. Holy shit. It, I am no man. Ugh. I am no every, man. Every uh, just no words. Perfect, perfect. We were chasing that high. Yeah. On rings of power. Yeah. Oh my god, we're finally getting the content again. Like w- the Hobbit was okay. It was fine. It didn't need to be whatever, like sixteen movies or whatever it was. It was. Just three. <laughs> three. I was using hyperbole. Oh, okay. Point. Yeah. yeah. Um, we saw the first one. I was so upset. Anyway, so when we got rings of power, we were chasing that same sensation of. I am seeing something that I love taken and treated with care and put on the screen so that I can see the things that I saw in my mind put to the screen. And then they were just like, well, we get where you're going, but we're going to make a ton of shit up and we're going to make it look good and you're going to love it. And everyone was like, um, no, that's not what we wanted. It's, it's fine. It's fine as a television show. It's fine. But if I'm going for a Lord of the Rings thing, I'm not going to that. I'm not going to put that back on. I didn't even finish it. Although I thought the lady who did Galadriel was pretty good. Although she oh, was she's pretty much just awesome. Yeah. She was consistently angry, but it was fine. She was an angry character. I believed it. And I did like that they did a lot of work, except for one character, of not making the char- the women's outfits like sexual. Over-sexualized yeah. in any way. Yeah. Yeah. But she, anyway. so to me, she wasn't angry. To me, she was just, she had a Taurus Mars and she was just steadfast yeah. momentum moving forward. Yeah. I cannot waste any time because I know that Sauron is not gone and he's coming back at any moment, yeah. any moment. We live for, we don't have a death date at yeah. any second. She just knew the stakes. Yeah. You know? So. I mean, when she jumps off the boat, at the Grey Havens, I was like, "Fuck yes!" Yeah, I was. So <laughs> she was like, "You know what? Wait, did something bad happen to the rest of them? I didn't. No, really... they go off to the Grey Havens. They did just fine. Yeah, oh, okay. I thought they got like, like eaten up or something by something nope. bad. Nope, they go. She just, and then she's swimming for what for however, and she finds that like raft of people. Yeah, so and you don't know how the... it ends. No. Do you want me to tell you? I mean, I know who I know that whatever his name is is Sauron. Yeah, yeah, because. Cis straight white man, a bad guy. Um, And I do love that the question, is he really just trying to be a regular guy and be a blacksmith? Or is this all some kind of manipulation? But I didn't finish it because I don't. I will probably eventually finish it. But anyway, we're we're here to talk about (laughs) Sarah Dumas. And I love we love shooting the shit. But we need to wrap wrap it up. Wrap it up. You got to go to dinner in two hours. (sighs) I was supposed to be wrapping presents today, but... Sorry. It's fine. I don't really want to anyway. I got to go do stuff too. I got to go to the liquor store. I don't drink six years in January, but um, I'm going to give a gift. (laughs) I figured. That has booze (laughs) in it because I was a bartender for years and 
know how to make a gift that way. So yeah. Anyways, this has been fun. I'm really grateful that you're um, liking these books and are still hanging in there with me. We got one more. We'll have to hit that in January. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I don't think, take some time. You don't have to get through it before Monday. It's a long, it's a lot to digest. So maybe not this Monday, the following Monday? Well, we're on vacation. Anyway, we can wrap it up. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's been fun. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. See ya. Is it hot in here or is it just me tuning in to hear these three chatting about fantasy If you know what I mean, are you happy to see us? Or is that a dagger? It's feast, sheep, shatter. It's feast, sheep, shatter. We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for an adult pixie stick moment. Uh, wait, dang it, I messed it up. <laughs> we interrupt our regularly scheduled programming for a adult nope can't do it <laughs> i'm drinking i'm doing pixie stick mucinex yeah I'm trying to clear up the sultry I'm trying to be cool I'm never gonna be able to do ads oops i'm sorry <sighs> I didn't mean to never you. gonna be able to do anything <laughs> you've just never done them you have to give yourself permission oh, to be a <laughs> you are listening to a strange and beautiful network podcast a network of shows focusing on unscripted discussions that promote positive but honest engagement with all the weird and wonderful topics that make our hearts happy. I want to take a moment to express my heartfelt gratitude to all our listeners. Your continuous support and engagement mean the world to us. So if you're enjoying the show, make sure to spread the love. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Strange and Beautiful Network to stay updated on the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes peaks, and exclusive content from all our shows. You can also find additional ways to support this show on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash strangeandbeautifulnetwork. By becoming a patron, you'll gain access to bonus episodes, early releases, our Discord channel, and other exciting perks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.